Hello everybody and welcome to Volume 3, Issue 144 of the Kane and Rinse video game podcast, The Last of Us. This is your host, Leon Cox, talking in the year 2023, ahead of you listening to our original The Last of Us and The Last of Us Remastered podcast, which was recorded on September... No, it was released, sorry. On September the 7th, 2014, recorded just before then, which was... I guess not long after the re- was the remaster that soon. I'm here with Jay Taylor. Mm-hmm. Was the remaster that soon after the original? I think it was a year. It was yeah. 2013 to 2014, wasn't it? Yeah. So it was. Yeah, I think right. it came out roughly about the same time the PS4 launched. So yeah, um, so we definitely covered the remaster in yeah. our original podcast, which you're about to hear. And then what's going to happen is we are going to at the end of the show. So one minute, one hour. 59 minutes and 49 seconds in, the old show will end and Jay and I will be back to talk about The Last of Us Part 1. So yes, enjoy this podcast with myself, Jay, Josh and Sean from the dim and distant past, nine year, uh, eight, eight years ago and a bit. And we'll be back in a couple of hours to talk more about The Last of Us. and welcome to volume three issue 144 of the cane and rinse podcast you can play along with what remains of cane and rinse volume three our next five issues are gunpoint brutal legend team fortress 2 medal of honor allied assault and then it's dragon age origins and uh, awakening the dlc thing um, and that almost give or take one or two uh, takes us to the end of the third year the third volume amazingly enough you can as always Head to canerince.com for the full schedule, as well as our blog. Uh, you can support us by buying uh, gear from our merchandise store. Uh, also, just liking, adding us to your circles, uh, Facebook, Google+, and subscribing to our YouTube channel, as well as, of course, iTunes, where you may also rate and review us, which is lovely. Thank you very much. Now, joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue, Jason Taylor. Howdy. Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Sean O'Brien. So I woke up and I put on the Viva Pinata show. And that has a very fun intro. You know, the music's all great. And I was having yeah. a really nice day. It sun's out. I had a cup of coffee and everything was going really good today. I just had a really <laughs> nice day. So I'm psyched to talk about this soul-crushing and <laughs> brutal Last of Us with you guys. Indeed. Uh, well, yeah. Let's see if we can avoid... Uh, actually depressing ourselves or the listeners, <laughs> but um, I, I don't think it will go that way. Now, um, obviously, uh, we did cover the Uncharted trilogy before on Kane and Rince. You can find those um, on iTunes or via our, our website. They were issues 79, 82, and 85. 
Um, we're not going to go deep into the history and the production team and, and whatever else of this because it's all very much out there. It's a very widely known AAA, highly publicized and documented game. Um, just to say that uh, the, the main men on the project were Neil Druckmann, who wrote it and directed it, along with Bruce Straley. Um, and uh, we'll talk about the music later, but that uh, is from Gustavo Santaolala, which is a wonderful name. Uh, as probably everybody knows, it came out first on the PlayStation 3 last June 2013. Uh, that's last June at the time of recording, of course, and the PlayStation 4 Remastered Edition, which is what uh, delayed the uh, the originally planned podcast, arrived at the end of July and uh, at the start of August in 2014. The critical reception, as if you didn't know, was uh, extremely high, extremely good from uh, professional and other critics, and uh, the game averages uh, over 90 or 95 to 96% everywhere from dozens and dozens of reviews. Of course, that doesn't mean that everybody actually who played it loves the game because, like everything else, it's divisive. Uh, the PS3 version has so far sold around 4.88 million copies, according to VG Charts. Uh, it may have topped five now. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Um, the PlayStation 4 version, is, uh, obviously, it's still selling, still in the charts. Uh, I believe it sold 1.5 million in its first 24 hours. I'm sure it's well beyond that now. It's been top of the UK charts for at least two or three weeks before it was deposed and then returned, and now it's been deposed again. But uh, it's doing quite well commercially and critically. Uh, and as such, probably everybody's played it um, who's listening to this podcast. But if you haven't, this is your big red emboldened spoiler warning. Uh, you really, really oughtn't to listen any further if you haven't played The Last of Us. Uh, so histories should be fairly mm -hmm. brief on this, I imagine. Start with Sean. Yeah, I'll just keep it real short. I was a um, huge fan of Uncharted series. It's probably my favorite uh, new series from last gen. So um, when they first announced uh, Last of Us, I think it was at a VG, VGAs, I think is when they showed it off. Um, All right. Yeah, I was, I was down like day one. And yeah, played it day one. Probably played it through about like four separate times now. And um, different difficulties. Uh, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the yeah, differences. Yeah, I started on normal yeah. and then jumped up to survivor, and then on this remastered one, I went back to normal. So, um, Joshua. Um, yeah, uh, much the same as Sean. Really, uh, really, really loved um, Uncharted two, especially. But I, I, I like the Uncharted series. So. Um, when this game was announced i i was excited like most people were um i was slightly iffy about the fact that um naughty dog were doing a zombie game mm. because just mainly because you know there are a lot of zombie games out there and i was like um it's a bit disappointing that they're going in the mm. the same territory as everyone else but then again it's naughty dog and i kind of hold them to a higher standard than most developers so i i'm still interested to see what they do with that genre um and yeah i've i've played it several times much like sean and uh i i kind of bought the remastered uh, edition because i hadn't played the dlc yet and i oh, wanted to experience it in, yeah. in uh nice shiny h you know extra hd or extra whatever. hd yes yeah Jay, uh, now I believe you and I, because um, I had, we'll get onto my history, but I had The Last of Us before release because I was writing reviews professionally last year. Um, and that was the first time you saw it. And then I think mm. I lent you my copy after that. Is that right? Yeah, you did. Yeah. I mean, the game had popped up on the radar as soon as we saw that first sort of CG trailer. And I was like, 
okay, this looks really interesting because, like, they they you know you you got to see the, the Joel and Ellie, and you also got to see the Clickers, which mm. you, you know was quite unusual looking creatures. So I was like, okay, this you know, and it's Naughty Dog. And then uh, borrowed your copy, didn't I? So it's just, um, which meant that I didn't have to day one it because I'd already played it through it three times before I gave it your back. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, and obviously you don't have a PlayStation Four yet, so you've nope. you've just seen a bit of the remastered roundup. Yeah, I've just, I've just watched the intro at yours. Yeah. So. Um, so I remember watching. Um, actually, I didn't know much about this game. Thinking about it, I'd, I'd pretty much tried to avoid it. Um, that you know, coverage of it, previews and, and things like that. So when I played it, I you know, the first really I knew too much about it was playing this review copy. Um, and I remember we were around at Tony Atkins of Kane and Rince, uh, a couple of Christmases before. Um, playing some games, uh, including Uncharted 3, which was recently out. And there was a, there was a little um, Easter egg, mm. uh, a newspaper on mm-hmm. a bar um, mm. talking about the infected. And you guys were all saying, oh, that's a that's a Last of Us thing. And I said, what's the Last of Us, <laughs> I think? I d- didn't really, I hadn't, you know, I just don't follow games that are forthcoming in that way. So, so I didn't really know too much about it. Um, I didn't know that Naughty, uh, Naughty Dog had completely lied throughout the entire <laughs> preview um process about the fact that saying that you never played as ellie um mm-hmm. not only do you play as ellie but you start off the game playing as a completely different little girl and because i was so unfamiliar with what was going on i just assumed that the little girl i was playing as at the start was the girl from the game i wasn't even really aware that it oh, was man. they were you know they had different names and different colored hair and all that i hadn't really looked at the box so for me i got kind of extra extra suspense and surprises from this but uh, jay and i watched the or we play i played while jay watched through that famous uh first sort of half hour Mm. of the game or so the setup um and we we sat there in rapt silence and and when it ended with uh the 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 tragedy of uh joel's daughter being shot we were i think we were both a little choked up and we were mm-hmm. kind of like, obviously we're both both there going uh you know well we're we're, we're men in front of men but we said i, I think i said um well i wasn't expecting that <laughs> <laughs> um but it, it it is you know it although it has lots of familiar things about it the the infected you you see almost straight away are very familiar from things like 28 mm-hmm. days later and 28 weeks later they're fast zombies effectively if you want but that whole intro, I just thought, was uh, an amazing way of setting the scene and telling the story of how yeah. quickly things had gone terribly wrong. It was a brilliant way to start the game, giving you control of Sarah, because because mm. I mean, like, I'm jealous of you not knowing that that wasn't Ellie, because like once it started off with her, and I knew from previews that like she was nowhere to be found in the previews, Sarah. Yeah. So I knew like I was like something's yeah. gonna happen here, either they're gonna get separated yeah. or she's gonna die or something like that. So I knew something bad was coming, but. For them to give you uh, control of her, it gives you a lot of uh, empathy with her. Like you get to connect with her really fast, and I feel like that's kind of what makes that ending pay off. Is because you were already you already really liked her. She was really personable and and really sweet. And um, giving you actual control of her, I think, is what really made that ending pay off. The thing that impressed me most about this intro is how um succinctly and economically it actually set up all the themes that are mm. going to be in the game um right from the word go so they establish with um his daughter's death that actually mankind are going to be the greatest evil mm. that you're going to confront in this game not the infected yeah. and 
also like all good right. zombie fiction. Yeah, like and yeah, this is territory that's covered been covered before, and I, I think this is something we're going to say mm-hmm. a lot during this podcast. Yes, a lot of this subject matter has been covered in other films, like Children of Men mm-hmm. and, and The Road, the road yeah. and and so forth and so on. But I think The Last of Us executes on it in a way that most games can only dream of. Like a lot of film, a lot of games desperately want to be film, but take all the wrong lessons from film and TV and bring it to video games. I think The Last of Us is a demonstration of a video game taking all the best things about TV and film Mm -hmm. and putting it in a game. Some people who have got the remastered edition uh, will have watched and others who may have watched it on YouTube, the Grounded documentary, which is by Area 5, which documents uh, the making of the game. Um, And you actually get to see some of the, the, you know, Naughty Dog do their thing of having everyone performing uh, motion capture and acting at the same time and they get to to improvise a lot. Um, Anyway, it's well worth watching. It's fascinating. But Hannah Hayes, who plays Sarah, um, she was only a kid, and apparently she tapped into the fact that her her beloved grandfather had died, mm. who uh, you know was apparently like the main father figure in her life. And her performance is devastating. And it's also really, yeah. in the end, um, they made uh, Troy Baker, who plays Joel, uh, incredibly well. I would say mm. um, throughout the entire game, they made him do it umpteen times, and then they went away um, and made him come back and do it in a in a much more understated way yeah. um you actually see on the grounded documentary his original version that he thought was you know he nailed it as far as he was <laughs> concerned but then he he admitted later you know neil Druckmann said we need to do this again that if anything he was kind of you know he was acting in this yeah. first version it was you know why god yeah. why and fists to the sky and all this sort of thing but the finished version is so understated and the way that she just lets out a couple of frightened little squeals at the end and he's just talking to yeah. her he's just whispering really it's it's it is just it's yeah. hard not to be moved by it, I think even as we're I think you know we've got uh, the perspective here of four people who don't have children mm. let alone daughters specifically but you know basic human emotions I think you'd have to be a, a bit of a cold fish not to be moved by it I, I think this is a, as good a time as any to mention the direction for the mm. cutscenes, and it's something I think gets forgotten when talking about uh, these little mini movies in video games but th- this does feel like film quality direction to me or you know television you know cable television production yeah and it was uh, direction. his first time as well he wasn't yeah. he wasn't planning to direct it but ultimately they decided that he should do it because he wrote it all yeah, which I mean, if this is his first time, I, I I'd love to see what he does next because yeah. uh, this is really professional, and and the fact that he would make that call where a lot of uh, game developers or or directors working in in video games wouldn't make that call, they'd go over the top. Mm-hmm. I've certainly seen scenes like this in in video games before, and to see this really understated performance from Troy yeah, Baker. Yeah. Uh, really early on kind of set the tone for the rest of the game like this is not going to be a ott action adventure we are trying to capture reality and Mm. it and it does this game does a really good job of setting that up right from the word go i think the the thing that stood out to me even from watching the intro and certainly through the rest of the game is just the level of performance Mm. yeah that they 
they've got out of these actors and and it's proper acting it's yeah. really you know nuanced performances that just they resonate mm. yeah and it's it's funny how even games that have come out since like i, w- I was watching um ground zeros at leon's and bec- and, and you could say that last of us has become a benchmark because i can't help me now but compare other performances mm. in other games so yeah. i'm listening to keith sutherland I'm, I'm listening to whoever plays skullface and i'm just thinking this sounds crap yeah. it sounds yeah. rubbish there's just there's a huge there's a, a huge chasm of difference between that level of voice acting, which is what we've been used to, yeah, sort yeah. of so, Saturday morning kids' mm-hmm. cartoon yeah. stuff, isn't it? It's yeah, very yeah, broad, yeah. very very OTT, very moustache twirling villains, and and you know boundless heroes mm-hmm. and all that sort of thing. The the thing that sells this, and it's something we brought up in the Uncharted games, is you've got good great actors playing these roles. Like the casting is nigh on pitch perfect. But the animation, yeah. the facial animation, Naughty oh, Dogs yeah. animators are, to my mind, and I'll, I'll say I think they're some of the best in the games industry that I've seen so far. The the way they can animate yeah. faces, and they don't use, you know, it's all keyframed animation, yeah, it's all use, hand animation. They use facial shots for reference, mm-hmm. um, yeah. but they, they they make a lot of tweaks, yeah. and also to the uh, performance, the motion capture as well. They they mm. emphasize things or, or or whatever, but. Yeah, it's but they mm-hmm. nail it. it yeah. They they really know how to uh, enhance the yeah. performances, and it, they complement each other with that stuff. And to a, to a degree that there aren't that many developers out there doing that level of <laughs> stuff. And admittedly, there aren't that many with the budgets that they probably get sure. as well. But you know, it's it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, stuff. not to jump yeah. too far ahead, but like the, the the literally the last shot of the game is all about that facial animation. Like everything mm, you get yeah. out of that scene is all directly on Ellie's face. Mm. So the setup, as as we say, is the traditional. I think I believe it's meant to be around sixty percent of the world's population have been taken over by this fungus cordyceps, which is based uh, in some uh, scientific truth. Uh, the idea there is this fungus which does take over uh, insect hosts at this point, but as has been pointed out, uh, many. Um, devastating illnesses have uh, learned to adapt from infecting animals uh, of various kinds to infecting human beings uh, through, uh, you know, um, mutation. Um, so, uh, you know, to me, it, it makes it makes absolutely no odds whether uh, a zombie apocalypse is possible, whether a zombie is possible or not. It, it <laughs> serves a story, it serves a drama, mm. but uh, but it's interesting, and it also means that these particular enemies. Um, the 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 infected enemies uh, the ones that are uh, the ones that aren't too far gone as i say very much 28 days later stuff uh, red eyed fast zombies but the the ones who have sprout started to sprout mushrooms from their faces um and this this is actually where somewhere where i would criticize the game somewhat i think the concept art which is all unlockable as part of the game for 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 the clickers and advanced stage um cordyceps victims looks astounding and really creepy but i don't think it even in the remastered version which you know higher res and better frame rate and all that i don't think they quite look as disgusting as the, as mm. i want them to is that just mm. me I, I i feel like they're slightly disappointing i i would agree with you but i think um they make up for it in other areas and and though and i think it's the sound design for me that like sells the infected like i mean the clickers are the most obvious example of that the the Mm. noise they make when they're trying to detect you uh, and and all that but um i i don't know also just the animation as well just the way they move and um, I think 
what I loved most about the infected, it, it wasn't so much that they scared me, it's more that they unsettled me. And it mm. mainly came down to the fact that there's this subtle suggestion, and they never confirm or deny it, but there's a subtle suggestion throughout the entire game that maybe the people who are infected are still in there somewhere. Yeah. Mm. And when you think about that and then you look at the way they move, the way they animate, mm. you start thinking, oh, God, maybe they are. Because when the regular infected aren't attacking anyone and aren't doing anything, aren't being triggered by their disease to eat, consume or do whatever. They're just standing there crying. Yeah. 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 And, and you feel like for a second, like, is in these, is this like, like a moment of lucidity for these creatures? Like a moment where the human within them has just realized what they are and is just like completely depressed, hmm. but they yeah. can't do anything about it because they're trapped in a this little body. Like the Wandering Witches in Left 4 yeah. Dead, but I think Left 4 yeah. Dead slightly, yeah. comes slightly more under the fun horror yeah. bracket overall. Yeah, but yeah. also the clickers, the way they move it. Like their lead, like the head is leading their movement, mm -hmm. and it looks like the fungus is dragging the corpse around the room. Like it's 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 almost like the humans not doing it of their own will. It's like the fungus is like, come on, move this way <laughs> yeah. and move this way. Come on, we need to find more humans to prey on. That creeped me out more than anything else yeah. that the infected could do. More than like how scary they are or what have you just the the idea the concept that's never confirmed or denied that they might still be human mm. yeah yeah, I, yeah I, I really like the idea that they use the fungus i thought it was um just inventive like I've, I've been reading about cordyceps and apparently it's used in pharmacology as a, yeah. as a natural thing to generate sort of medicine so you kind of think yeah and that kind of makes sense because the first victims you see are all from the hospital so you kind of wonder mm. if somebody was doing you know even when i'm playing it i'm thinking you know you're building up your own kind of origin fiction in your head thinking oh they were testing something it went mm. wrong and it turned you know people Same into old story, this and, yeah 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 yeah, absolutely. And as I say, I think it's genuinely worth looking at the concept art because I think even, as I say, even the remastered version, which is obviously, a, you know, mm. it's an upscaled or whatever um, PS3 game, um, you know, I think it's significantly uh, prettier and, and clearer what's going on. But I think it's still maybe if they'd, you know, designed it from the ground up for PS4, the, the, the Cordyceps uh, effects would come off a little better. Mm. But if you've looked at the concept art and maybe watch some of the videos on as an, there's a three minute David Attenborough segment on, mm. you know, BBC video on, on YouTube, which shows uh, various insects being uh, consumed by various uh, cordyceps uh, strains. And it is really creepy. It, you know, it is creepy. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, yes, familiar themes. There's a lot of, as Josh said already, there's a lot of familiar stuff about mm. this game from the, you know, the cover based stealth action shooter to the themes of, uh, parenthood and, you know, protectivity over offspring or, or surrogate offspring and the zombies indeed. Yes. You, you could just call this a, a stealth zombie shooter if you wanted to. Um, but it's, I think it's about the delivery beyond even that first, uh, opening sequence, um, the game jumps forward 20 years, which is up quite unusual in itself. Um, you uh, take control of Joel again as uh, a now a 
a man more deeply into middle age with some gray hairs and stuff. Um, obviously, a lot has gone on. Um, the, the world is under uh, martial law and uh, quarantine zones have been set up. Um, people are eat, you know, eating ration cars. And of course, there's a, there's a, a black market of these things. And uh, Joel and Tess are involved in this. Um, and they've obviously had to become extremely tough, nay ruthless, nay morally uh, extremely dubious um quite quickly uh it becomes necessary for joel to escort this uh, young girl ellie who is 14 um around the age of sarah when she died uh inconveniently or conveniently enough um he is tasked with uh, along with jess taking her to a place uh, and he knows not why um and again, uh, quite we've we've got a load of amazing correspondence from uh, from the forum coming up, and some great three word reviews as well. One of the uh, criticisms that does come up time again, even from people who really like this game, not only talking about the intro sequence that's set you know in the present day, but also the next few hours mm. before you're really given full control over what's going on is you know. It, it's more about story and setup than it is about the gameplay. You're learning mm. bits of the gameplay as you go along, but again, you're, the the reins are still very much on for quite mm-hmm. a long period, which yeah. on the plus side for me uh, mean meant that you did get you know more time to see the the start of the relationship between Joel and Ellie, mm-hmm. uh, and you meet a few other characters as well. And the way Marlene of the the head of a, a sort of resistance group, the Fireflies, and things like this, but. I think it's okay because, as I say, I played through the two entire seasons of Telltale's The Walking Dead and there's barely any gameplay worthy of the name in, in those. <laughs> yeah. and they, they are just in, vaguely interactive fictions about a girl in a zombie apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, but here you feel like, because there are little snatches and glimpses of this cover-based stealth gunplay shooter that you kind of want... I, 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 you know, I, I enjoyed it from the off. And I wanted more of it. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I get I get that people slag on it for the lack of gameplay, but as you said, like the setup for not only just him and Ellie, but I think you need that first couple hours to see that side of Joel, like before he meets Ellie. You see, like actually, he's kind of a jerk, like for that little brief period in between, like when he first yeah. catches up with Tess and she gives him this the lowdown on what happened with the guns, and then so he's like, all right, let's just go take Robert out, you know, and then they just they go and it's you get this really he's not like the most likable guy and i think that that kind of no they torture yeah. A, yeah. they torture a man who is basically and surrendering yeah. yeah and it's and it's just yeah. like and they they don't blink about it at all and i think that's important to remember like later on in the story when you're feeling much better about him and then when that ending happens it kind of you know comes all together there they needed this injury to show why joel has managed to survive for 20 years um, and to show what it takes for you to be mm. a human being twenty years on since the in, you know the initial infection, and they kind of do hint at this you know at, in the intro stage. There's a part uh, where you're in the car and you drive past yeah. these people who are yeah. like desperately trying to call you mm. over and say, "Come on, let, let us in the car." And Joel's immediate yeah. reaction is like, "No, they might be infected." Well, I don't think he actually says that, but yeah. there's an that he's like no protect my own like let, let's keep driving and mm-hmm. that's a hint 
yeah, of the kind of personality that Joel has. And you get a sense that this guy is a ruthless pragmatist. Like, he will yeah. do what is necessary <laughs> to survive. He is an ends-justifies-the-means type of guy. Absolutely. And you need, to, you need to see that side of him in this early stage in order for his change and evolution as he is exposed to right. Ellie to have impact and i do and i do understand where people are coming from when they say the gameplay sections in this early couple of hours are pretty limited and or slightly rubbish um i know i know i know a lot of people complain about the initial exposure to the clickers mm. in these first couple of hours in that the clickers feel so overwhelming and and you know mm. once they grab you it's an instant kill and uh, people find that really really frustrating yeah. but i i don't know i i just i really appreciated the world building mm. here and the characterization here in much the same way i really appreciated it in half-life 2 where much of like you know the first half hour 40 minutes like gordon Freeman mm. can barely defend himself. Um, I just appreciated the game taking a moment to go, right, let's just soak in the world, soak in this character that we've given you, and then we'll get mm. into the nitty-gritty of the gameplay. Yeah, and the, the, the pacing of the game is, is unusual, and, um, and also the way it's laid out, um, it's not done in chapter by chapter. Uh, it's done by uh, season, so there are several breaks of uh, at which time you know potentially weeks or months of time is uh, yeah. actually skipped you don't see it stuff like that it makes it gives it a slightly different feel again perhaps more filmic um the, the thing that it most reminds me of is a hbo miniseries actually structurally uh, it feels much more like something like true detective or something like that mm. where each episode is its own like mm. self-contained uh uh, story but feeds into a larger narrative so like each season it, it really does feel like a four episode miniseries with, with each season having a theme and an idea it wants to explore and having a conclusion and then there's a huge gap in time and then okay this season's going to explore this theme and this idea and and so forth and so on uh, but it all and it, it's really interesting because um i i actually think a lot of the the actual narrative of the last of us happens at the beginning and then at the end and the mm. whole middle section yeah. is mainly characterization and, it's and kind mainly of just, absolutely and yeah. there's and yeah, you, meet, yeah. you meet people along the way it has that yeah, yeah that that where you keep running into people and and their influence on you has some effect but ultimately characters like uh, bill um yeah i guess there's no real sort of it, it's more about the interest of having that character in that world it's showing you somebody else but it doesn't have a kind of a resonance at the kind end of, sort of. the the bill well, sequence I, I i i think it I, I think it does i think one of the the major themes in the game is the idea of having a partner yeah. and what that means like what yeah that's true what taking on another person in your life will do to you and in bill's case they give you an example of somebody who's rejected the idea of having a partner has decided to go on go out on his own and he's surviving he's managing he's got a terrible life but he's surviving and then later on they give you another example of two people who have decided to stick together sam and henry Brothers. Yeah. and you get exposed to what happens when you let that attachment just become your entire life 
once that attachment is removed, you can't live with yourself anymore, and you have to. It it, it become like the attachment to the mm. other person becomes more important than your own being, and that's mm. one of the major themes of the game throughout. And absolutely, yeah, that, you're absolutely con- right. Of course, mm-hmm. um, one of the issues that you do hear raised a lot, and I quite understand it, is the fact that. Uh, a huge amount of the time you spend as a two with you controlling Joel and Ellie is running out, running around independently, occasionally uh, chipping in with uh, by throwing a brick at an enemy or, or, or jumping on somebody who's who's got the drop on you. But she is regularly, she would be visible mm-hmm. to these enemies. Um, and that can, for many people, break the immersion to sure. a shattering degree. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's impossible to, for me to think of it in that way though like because if they saw her and you had no control over that that would drive me nuts like if if at the same time like i don't see any other solution like either you you would like keep her off screen and then just occasionally just run on screen and throw a brick like that just looks silly or she's like always right behind you it just it just i don't know how else they could have got around it's Yeah, it, it, it's definitely a problem, and I, I, I don't want to sound like I'm saying I'm like brushing it away and saying, "Oh, I don't know why people are mm. complaining about this." I do perfectly sure. understand why people are complaining about this. It is immersion breaking, but I just can't help but think about the mm. alternative and how much mm. worse that would be. Sure. Just having Ellie pop out and then my carefully planned stealth right. maneuvers yeah. go to ruin because of some stupid AI. Um, I just, yeah, I think they were limited by what the, what they had, the resources mm. they had. Well, the story goes that they changed it late. Yeah. They changed the AI late, um, yeah. enemy and possibly uh, a companion as well, um, because whatever yeah. they had was either too complex or slow, you know, possibly slowing down the performance of the PS3. I mean, if that was the case, they they didn't take the opportunity to put it back in um, the PS4, yeah in the ps4 version so maybe it was stuff that was actually just making the game less fun even though it was you know it was one of those things that was very ambitious very Mm -hmm. sophisticated and cool on paper um but they ended up with something you know quite demonstrably imperfect at times Mm -hmm. when yeah yeah i did definitely did have a couple of moments of um companions walking into a a door like into the door frame and you know doing the the (laughs) running man kind of thing and stuff like that but it, it was for a for what is like a 16 hour game or depending on how you play it and what difficulty these were very few and mm-hmm. far between and, and because i was so involved and immersed and the tents and 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 all that stuff and viscerally and emotionally involved it i suppose you could say that actually that should make it more distracting um more immersion sapping but i was you know with all the, the the beautiful world and all that that was surrounding me it was it was fairly easy to to gloss over these things um, but I can, yeah, I, equally I can understand why people were disappointed, especially if they had watched that yeah. E3 demo where there was a lot mm. of cool um, stuff. I, I mean, yes, the, the enemies in this, as in so many games, are not as good as they were cracked up to be before the game came out. Mm-hmm. Like, that's so many video games. There was There was a suggestion that people would try and flank you and literally grab the gun out of your hand Mm -hmm. or if they didn't have if they only had a melee weapon and you had a gun they would wait and pounce on you um uh, you know various various things like this um and and in the end there are cases where guys will just run at you with a plank Mm -hmm. even when you've got a flamethrower and it's kind of a shame but having said all that i know that some people just did not get on with 
the overall gameplay they didn't feel it was mechanically sound or or whatever but um for me uh i really really enjoy the gameplay yeah. in the last of us a lot yeah uh, i i love it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i really love the gameplay i i kind of get where people are coming from if they choose to play the game in a certain way if you play this as a third person shooter just you know going loud all the time i yeah, I think it would be a massively frustrating experience. Mm. But the way I choose to play it, and, and I kind of feel like I play it the same way I play Batman Arkham Asylum, that very aggressive stealth yeah. um, where that it's less about not being detected by the enemies and more about just freaking them out so much that... Um, they just cannot get coordinated enough to form a uh, an adequate offense against you. Mm. I found that really yeah. enjoyable. And I think there is a lot of depth to the systems that they have in place here if you experiment with them. Because there's a lot of things, like gameplay-wise, that they never tell you you can do, but... Like, if you play about a bit, you can discover some neat tricks. Like, one trick that I love using is stunning people with a brick, which I think I'm sure everyone's Mm -hmm. done that. But I also discovered that if you had a melee weapon to hand (laughs) and you run up towards them immediately after, you can one-hit kill people, and that just takes them out. And also, it's pretty quiet as well. So I ended up using that technique more often than strangling people because it was quiet and it was also quick and I could just get out of there. Mm. People would hear it um, or detect it, but they wouldn't immediately start opening fire on Mm. me. It would be more that they ran to the guy I'd just taken out. But by that time, I'm already out of there. Um, Yeah, there's tons of stuff like that, like the setting up of traps of pipe bombs and stuff Mm. like that really reminded me of Arkham Asylum. And I'm very aware that I've talked for a long time, so I'm going to let somebody (laughs) else talk. One of my... I mean, I'm I'm one of those people. Like, I just don't understand why people don't like Naughty Dog gameplay. It's just it, it actually doesn't work for me in my brain. I get it. Like some people, is yeah. But I just don't understand it. But one thing I like so much about the shooting in this is, um, you know, a lot of people like to say it's just a cover shooter, but I, you can't just sit in one spot in one cover and just keep popping over and shooting dudes as they come up. Like you have to keep moving all the time. And I think that adds a lot to like all the cover shooters that we've been playing over, like Gears of War, even Uncharted, you know, stuff like that. It's just I think it it varies it up enough for me to really enjoy it. It's one of the games where I actively uh, looked forward to the next combat scenario. Mm. You sort of, but you're dreading it if you're low on resources. But also, the game uh, intelligently drip feeds you uh, resources so that you can cope. Um, it, it's actually monitoring what you've got and what you need. Mm. Um, it's you know, it's a bit of smoke and mirrors, but it but it worked perfectly yeah. for me. Um, key things about the, the the combat. Now, obviously, one of the key uh, features is that the uh, on the normal difficulty and below, possibly even the one above normal, is if you hold R2, you have a, a listening mm. power, as it were, which allows you to see the silhouettes of uh, nearby people. I relied on that a lot <laughs> uh, on my first original playthrough. Um, but on normal difficulty, the game is pretty easy, I would say, yeah. overall. It has a, has a few spikes, but you've always got Tons of resources, tons of ammo. If you even, you know, if you go, go skirting around the rooms, um, another criticism I have of the game is uh, Joel's gathering things up. Amun- uh, uh, animation is kind of goofy, where he does that sort of left <laughs> hand, right hand, yeah. left hand, right hand thing. Yeah, and again, I, I, I'm okay with it because it, it means it's fast. 
Um, and I like and I love the feeling of scavenging. I love mm. the fact that resources are so uh, so scarce. But the game, uh, I decided I wanted to immediately play through the game again once I've finished it on PS3. And I actually didn't because of other games I had to review and play for Kane and Rince. But I had that feeling. And it was not just to witness the cutscenes and the story and hear the music mm-hmm. again. It was to play all those levels again and try different strategies and techniques with bricks and bottles and pipes mm-hmm. and and things and you know deciding whether to make more molotov cocktails or health kits out of the same ingredients and all this stuff there's there's a lot of kind of fun gameplay in there and actually just the act of the the savagery of the strangle yeah. attack and the shiv kills yeah. um always powerful every single time and and as for the audio for the guns it's unsurpassed for me it's just mm. that the gun sounds in yeah. this game are like nothing else and even if naughty dogs shooting does sometimes feel a little bit squiffy um you know and there are still cases of headshots not downing people in one shot in this game usually because they're wearing a helmet um and that can still frustrate and you've got a lot of gun shake at first which you can actually moderate mm-hmm. um and you can adapt the guns you can power, you know, power up your guns and modify your weapons and all that and by sort of halfway through maybe two-thirds of the way through the game i was loving the gunplay mm-hmm. on normal difficulty and yeah. the r2 skill but as I yeah. say, I really wanted to come back to it on survival difficulty, mm. survivor difficulty. As soon as I knew the remastered edition was coming, I was absolutely, uh, you know, I know a lot of people with these current, with the current trend of remakes are like, oh God, not another remake. I was like, yes, The Last <laughs> of Us with better graphics and a higher mm. frame rate. That will be one of the prize games in my collection. And indeed it is. Um, I immediately dived into it on survivor difficulty. Mm. And I love the game even more. Mm. Um, and that yeah. there's a, yeah. we have some correspondence that attests to this, but the game is even more stingy with resources. Uh, it's much harsher uh, in, in a lot of ways. And, uh, and, you, and it takes away your R2 power. Yeah. So you can no longer listen through walls. Now, again, another feature that was advertised before the game came out was a lean, you know, traditional mm. look around corners, Metal Gear or System Shock style or whatever. It doesn't have that. But what it does have... Um, and obviously this is no use if you're a hard of hearing person, but it does have this quite clever audio mm, uh, mm-hmm. sort mm-hmm. of white noise, yeah. um, which uh, builds in intensity uh, as you're about to be spotted. Um, and if you've got surround yeah. sound, uh, which I'm fortunate to have, or fortunate enough to have, or, or surround sound headphones, it gives you all the information you need. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah uh, creeping around uh houses and shops and shopping malls and stuff whether it's human or infected for the imperfections of the ai and you know occasional silly moments uh i've found this game yeah intensely um Mm. gratifying and also horrifying because it really is savage yeah Yeah, absolutely i I, just be just because you mentioned it um i think this is a great time i i think i've already talked about this briefly but it is really worth talking about again. The sound design yeah. is utterly superb throughout this game. Um, it's the best sound design I've seen in a game since Half-Life 2. The sound of a world can sell me on its believability mm. and the reality more than anything else. And the last of it just na- the last of us nails it. Yeah, uh, I do wonder if if those gun sounds weren't what they are, whether I would enjoy the gameplay less. Mm. I genuinely think I might. I've yeah. not played it uh, with the sound off, but they are part of it as much as, you know, the, the, the fairly glorious graphics. And similarly, you know, again, one of the things about the graphics is, uh, you know, again, people who didn't like the game so much, I've seen sort of say, oh, all the, all the people say about 
this game is that they like the graphics and they like the acting and they like the cutscenes and the story or whatever. Mm. Um, and that's that's definitely not true for me. But uh, the graphics, you know, obviously the PS3 version, uh, I think to go back to it from the remastered version would would be disappointing. But I still think it, it was mm. it was an a, a, an incredible achievement. Um, but like the Cordyceps itself. Um, you only need to look into the making of to know how much thought they put into mm. this ruined world, how much uh, you know research went into what a world would look like in 20 years without yeah. it being maintained. And I don't know because I've never been there, but there are studies on it. There are you know considered uh, you know anticipations about what a world would be like if um, they they cited examples of, um, for instance, not pumping out the sewers in um, in big cities in America, which leaves you with all this standing water. And once all this standing water's there, uh, concrete starts to erode. And mm-hmm. similarly, the plants start to grow and then the plants take over the buildings. We've seen it in other things, I think, um, enslaved yeah, had enslaved, a lot of this yeah. uh, and crisis as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just again, looking at the concept art, uh, Really, really, they've they, you know they've obviously got some ridiculously talented artists at yes. Naughty Dog, but then to see it realised in game and looking you know almost as uh, as you know artistic mm-hmm. as that, but in three D with lighting and yeah, and and also one thing I particularly love about their engine, like um, there are some things I sometimes think look a little unreal about Naughty Dog's worlds. They look sometimes a little bit shiny and plasticky, or a little bit like everything's been too placed or something but when you're in sections in both in uncharted's and this when you've got your torch on oh my god yeah it's just so yeah. convincing their 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 torch lighting stuff which actually gets its own little sequence on the documentary uh is just utterly convincing there's particles hanging in the air the light bouncing off different services the shadows um yeah i, I could have played this whole game in in dark sections although mm-hmm. it would have miss, meant missing out on some of the the glorious sort of nature reclaimed outers but yeah. yeah one of my favorite sequences is the whole um when you get to the college um and or university and um you start walking through all the dorms and you're and you're digging through all the desks and everything like that and like for me like that looked exactly like my dorm right. <laughs> when i was yeah. uh, a few 10 years ago yeah. now wow geez um but it just they, they made every place look like like they like people actually did live here once and each individual apartment you can go to like especially when you get with uh sam yeah. and henry the first time you meet them and you're walking out of that apartment building um all these places like you can tell like this is the parents room and this was the kids room and this was the kitchen and, and the kitchen yeah. has some stuff for you to use the supplies and all this stuff so they, ma- they managed to marry all that together and it's just it's just such a believable world and the fact that they had entire buildings uh that were just there for you to explore um, and just had little bits of, like, not story, just characterization. Like, a bit that I that stands out for me is when Sam and Ellie were just playing darts. Yeah, and you can completely miss mm-hmm. it if you're just running around because it doesn't stop and go, oh, look yeah. at this, Ellie and Sam are playing darts. It just happens really naturally. And and all of that stuff are just like I, I, there was another house where it's completely optional that you can go upstairs and you like Ellie goes Attic, into the yeah. cellar and stuff like that and all of that stuff is just there to flesh out the mm. world and and flesh out the people who used to live there and and the characters that are exploring that environment yeah. now. Yeah, I got a lot of that with um, when you first enter uh, Bill's yeah. town. 
Yeah. And you go in, you know, you find yeah. that record oh, shop man. and you go in through all that stuff. And then there's that apartment that you can, you know, there's something in there because the door <laughs> shakes. So, you know, there's, there's some, but when you go in and there's obviously an infected in there that you can, you take out, but there's, there's a note mm-hmm. on the table and there's a message written on the wall. And it's that very kind of, there's, there's a mini story there yeah. and you just so much of that stuff. When you take the mm-hmm. time to really just explore and you, you uncover all these little nuggets all the time and it's just yeah. like, wow. I was interested, actually, Jay, because um, you've said many times before that, especially with story-driven stuff, but but not always exclusively, you tend to almost always um, start games playing games on easy, and then if you really mm. like them, you work your way up. And obviously, this this uh, does have a new game plus on each difficulty. Yeah. Um, do you find that playing the game on easy, it still maintains, you know, the combat maintains any tension or difficulty or intensity and have you tried it on harder settings and did you get like i i found the game to be uh more enjoyable for me on the toughest uh non added on because there is one more above survival difficulty mm-hmm. uh, which is the grounded difficulty which uh is the same but takes away your hud and gives you even fewer resources which mm. it sounds difficult i've been tempted tempted to try the grounded since they did it in the update but the um but no, I haven't. I've, I've tended to play, and I've, I've actually, I think I've played through seven times in total, and it's been, it's always been on easy. Um, but I, I, there's no particular reason other. Than, I mean, the combat can still, you can still die on that yeah, difficulty yeah, if, you, well. if you mess around. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, is it, it, but it was never, it was never necessarily the reason that I, w- I want to play on that. I mean, initially, that is the reason I, w- I want to play on the difficulty level. On that difficulty level, I don't want to find myself in combat situations without hindsight. Mm. You know, I want to. If I play on the harder settings, I can't imagine ever going straight in on the harder setting. I can't. I can't imagine it would be fun. You use that kind of prior knowledge of having played through it before us to know kind of what, where you know what to expect and being prepared for it allows you to go through the harder settings. But um, but I, I can't say that it's ever really affected the way I play it. it, it I, I like the ability to, to know what's coming and just to explore. And that's where you are kind of like just ha- taking my time with stuff and trying different variants. Like going back to the combat thing, it's like, you know, each area, like when, you, when you're when you going with Tess through the subway system and you encounter that sort of that mini mall area with the, the, all the clickers in there, it's like, right, how, how should I approach this now? And, and trying variations on different ways through and realising some of the time that, you know, it actually worked. Oh, I can go this way. I didn't know I could do this. Oh, there's a door here. Mm. And all, yeah, and actually you know, the and fact that you've got a ton more resources, uh, I mean, I think you're more, uh, you're, you're stronger, but it doesn't necessarily make that much difference to how you play it because if you alert all the clickers, you're going to die regardless. Yeah, you? and the thing is, I would often find that I've got an inventory full of stuff, like I've, I'm maxed out, but I was so not using that stuff. I, the only thing, you know, I would use the planks and I would use the, sort of melee weapons a lot because, you know, like the shivs would be the thing to take the clickers out and all that kind of stuff. But I would I would approach it like literally trying to stealth take down everything anyway just because I've got that kind of... And I've had this ever since I first started playing Resident Evils where I literally hoard everything. I don't want to use anything. Yeah. If I can, if there's a way I can take stuff out without wasting the good stuff, <laughs> then I'll, I'll do it. And that this is a game that sort of excels at that, giving you sort of like different levels of, of take you know of what you can mm. use to take out the enemy so it's yeah i was gonna say that um it, it was funny that you brought up resident evil because uh many people uh, have brought up the comparison between this and resident evil 4 mm. 
um, it having quite a similar kind of, I don't know, uh, like Matt Lee's in his uh, his video YouTube video mentioned that The Last of Us has kind of a similar peak and valley structure to its gameplay, yeah. and um, like the idea that there's like. Ex- escalating threat and then peacetime and and so forth and so on um i mean i love resident evil 4 to death um it was our first ever cana rinse podcast um not our best podcast but it was the game we decided to do first um and it is one of my all-time favorites and yeah i i can see that it doesn't feel the same to play Mm. i mean obviously oh yeah, yeah way more um you know, agile um, and and Ellie than uh, than Leon. He can move and fire at the same time. Although you know, you rip, seldom do that actually. Um, but the actual, yeah, the 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 flow of the gameplay or the pacing, do, it, there is a similarity. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just the general. Even though Resident Evil is much more kind of goofy, silly stuff, um, the the kind of the general overall sense of danger and gloom is is certainly there as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good comparison to, to, to get, I would say. One thing that Resident Evil 4 doesn't have uh, is, uh, in the same way anyway, it doesn't have a bow and arrow play, which becomes uh, uh, quite a feature of this from sort of uh, halfway point onwards. Uh, and um, again, it's something that I really enjoy. Obviously, it's not the first game to have a bow in it, but uh, I had some particularly satisfying moments Um firing the bow up in the air to make sure it arced down and caught an enemy, you know, in, mm. in the head from long range and stuff like that. And then you go and pick up the arrow if it hasn't broken, stuff like that. One of our uh, forum uh, correspondents uh, actually said that they um, powered up the bow, that is to make it easier to use more, you know, from longer range and more powerful. And I can't remember what the other modifiers are you can do, but he actually uh, enjoyed it less when it was more... Um, more effective. He actually liked the fact that it was this, this sort of underpowered but ultimately really useful deadly weapon mm. with a kind of whether with its own very analog feel. And um, yeah, I kind of again when I when I play through and sections now replay, um, it's you know it's like really looking forward to getting into the bow play. Um, just that the fact that it's silent, you know, the fact that you it's it's a real relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as you love firing the guns because they sound incredible, um, some of the sections later are, are, are better dealt with with the bow because you can pick people off one by one. Yeah. It's almost always a one-hit kill, isn't it? At least on humans, I'm pretty sure it's a mm. one-hit kill. Yeah. Uh, it it depends uh, when you hit them. If you hit them unaware, like they don't know oh, what's going yeah. on, it will pretty oh, okay. much take them one hit. But when yeah. they're aware, I, I, I don't know why... I, actually but they t- tend to take mm. two hits rather than one right. um maybe they're better prepared or something <laughs> like that like like just catch the arrow in I their chest a video game I don't know. Yeah. Uh, of which this game has many and again it's sometimes one of those things where i think maybe because some people perceive i guess it's it's tall poppy syndrome yeah. with some people they perceive it to have ideas above its station or whatever and so video game contrivances and 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 things like the fact that you you know you eat a chocolate bar to get a bit of health back. Now that's not realistic, mm. but because this game feels yeah. so you know in in other ways kind of gritty and authentic, mm-hmm. it, those things stand out. And I, I think another good example of that, uh, some of the areas that I know people have issues with are the the bits that are obviously boss fights. You know, in a, in a, in arena, there's there's yeah. there's bloater uh, a situation with a bloater in a gym hall, and uh, and perhaps more notoriously. Uh, the fight between Ellie 
mm-hmm. when you're in control of Ellie and David later mm-hmm. on. Yeah, the David fight, I I didn't really, I don't see why people are so, I guess because it's so obviously, it's like you had to hit him three times and then he's down. But at yeah, the same time, avoid like, the, yeah. avoid the glass on the floor. Right, yeah. And, and I get that, but at the same time, like, a child attacking an older man with a switchblade, like, one-hit kill probably wouldn't do it. Like, that's kind of, yeah. at least that's how I justify it in my head. I mean, it, it didn't really bother me too much, but I, I, I get it, you know. I, it sticks I, out. I agree with you uh, on David, but I, I find myself agreeing with the detractors when it comes to mm-hmm. the bloaters. Um, I did find them kind of... Um, Classic to game. They, they, they kind of clashed. They clashed with the... Uh, the tone of the game quite a bit they did feel like yeah. resident evil yeah. type uh, enemies actually there's there's one sequence uh, the sequence where you end up separated via uh, uh you fall down a lift shaft uh, mm. type of thing mm-hmm. you end up yeah. in a flooded area and then to come back up you have to pass two yeah. bloaters i ended up not killing either yeah. of those yeah. you, just, you just ran Run past right them him, yeah. yeah that sequence is terrifying yeah. when the, from the yeah. first second you get down there and you realize the power's off <laughs> yeah oh god yeah yeah. Turning the power on a yeah. the music as well. Yes, yeah. we'll 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 definitely get onto the music. You know what? I uh, that particular sequence, I love the rats. Yeah, yeah. When you're oh, yeah, when, yeah, when all the rats swarming, yeah. and it, it's just such a horror movie trope <laughs> you've seen yeah. before. But to have, to see it out, you know, you see that, and you're like, oh god, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, now? there are a ton of incidental things like that as well, um, which again, yeah. all the more impressive yeah. in the PS3 version. Really, um, lots of there was I was playing a bit earlier and uh soon after you get ellie there's um i'd never noticed this before a bunch of guys um are running from the the cops kind of thing you know the mm. security mm. and they uh they lift up some shutters uh to get into a shop and they wait for their last one when the truck's gone by just little things like that which mm-hmm. i not yeah. even spotted mm-hmm. there there are lots of and and there apparently there are many you know, there's like a trophy Hidden uh, for for get, you know finding every optional conversation, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and I've I've played through the game you know more than once, and I Never still haven't them. got all yeah, of them. Same here. Yeah, I haven't got yeah. all of them. Yeah, either. yeah. yeah. and you yeah. played it multiple times. Mm. Um, but what I did want to say about David um, is uh, Oof, again man. his his yeah his character <laughs> in a way is a is a bit of a cliche. Sure, um, in, of course. In zombie fiction or similar post apocalyptic fiction, there's normally a cannibal. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes uh, a, a, a predatorial, I guess in this case he's, I mean, I don't know, he might just, it might just be any woman, we don't know, but he's not concerned that she's 14. Right. Yeah. He obviously is attracted to her, so he's a, a hebophile in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, and the performance is by Nolan, Nolan North. North. I know. no idea. Oh, I know. <laughs> I was sitting there going through Nolan like North. a plane through, I was like, this guy's really good. I don't think that voice sounds really familiar at all. And and in that doc- documentary, he made a point like he he's yeah. talks about how he's like, I really don't want people to recognize me as Drake because it's it's really easy to do that with like most of the games that he acts in. But man, he nailed it. This David is so creepy. And and at, actually, um, uh, when you first meet him, and I didn't think he was creepy to start with. Like when you you got the, no, the you no, kill the it. um oh what is that animal the, 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 yeah yeah yeah. You kill it and and yeah. um and he's sitting there talking to you back and forth and like I, I get the impression that like maybe he's gonna come along with you and be this cool guy and it just totally twists. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I've seen too many zombie movies sure, and yeah, too many yeah. post-apocalyptic movies for that to be a doubt in my mind. <laughs> like, I, I, I really yeah. do think that the, the the conversation they have in the second sequence after you fought off the clickers mm, together. Mm. 
that's yeah. where it, it changes yeah. and it's the way that that that's that that's written yeah. Yeah. and it's performed yeah, yeah. it's really good because it's it's subtly done but it's just it suddenly just switches mm-hmm. and, and when he mentions about you know sending a team yeah. out and and then it, and he suddenly you just it yeah. clicks and you think oh god yeah. what you know and and you know it's got the close up on mm-hmm. his face as well when he's doing when he's talking in that scene and it's just yeah, oh, really fantastic. Um, what what I wanted to say, um, because I really don't think we've talked about Ellie enough, is mm. I think the reason by this point you are so obviously. I mean, there's a whole transition to winter. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing you've seen is Ellie uh, taking a pretty much dead Joel um, <laughs> on a horse. He's falling off a horse. She can't get him to go anywhere. He's been spiked through the middle, um, having fallen off a balcony right through the gut with a metal thing. Um, and suddenly, yes, suddenly you are controlling slams to winter and you're controlling Ellie in the snow. Um, and mm. at this point, you don't even know what's happened to Joel. Uh, and of course, if you didn't know, uh, I, I would imagine any, anyone who's listened this far in a podcast already knew. Um, if you didn't know, you got to play as Ellie at that point, as mm. I didn't. It was like, yeah, no one cool. did, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, you're doing this very, in this, you know, beautifully uh, i think it's really hard to do um sound that sounds like a a desolate snowy place (laughs) because normally that i think the tendency is Mm. to overdo it with wind effects and Mm -hmm. crunchy you know footprints and all that sort of thing and and i always love snowy bits don't get me wrong but because this is this uh post-apocalyptic world there is really you know not much ambient sound at all Mm -hmm. um you're tracing this deer and you have to hunt the deer down but by this point in the story what i wanted to say is um again i i'm sure there are people out there who you know think Ellie's some kind of cocky little punk or whatever. Um, but I was so completely in love with her character, not mm. in a creepy way, like, yeah. uh, what's his face? Um, but Ashley Johnson's performance throughout yeah. the game for me is just unbelievably brilliant. Mm. Um, and yeah. yeah, she's just, you know, this cool kid. And it, and it's the fact that she is so, uh, she's spunky in a likable way. She's mm-hmm. not, you know, she's not just a, you know, irritating, cocky, precocious kid. Mm-hmm. She's she's fun, yeah. and she you know is all the moments where she just you know she really just wants to do kid stuff mm. and yeah and, uh, yeah and 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 also on her character, I know um uh Gary Blower uh, in the comments left a talking about was talking about how he um he really didn't like how there's no levity or or any kind of nice thing that happens during the game and i think she like provides yeah. yeah like a humanity and i think she supervises all of that like throughout the from start to finish i think yeah. she has a lot to it but you know i get where he's coming from but um i just i just totally saw her as that anchor to me a lot of the humanity that's in this game come comes from the small mm. moments mm. like the just the moments that happen off the beaten path puns. like um yeah oh, jokes on the Sorry, puns, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> oh, the puns, yeah, the jokes, and just um, all sorts of stuff like that. Like, just, you know, there was the running joke about um, Ellie not being able to mm. whistle and her learning how to yeah. whistle as the game and goes she starts along. Going, I think there is. Yeah. You sound like a spaceship. Yeah. <laughs> but not only Ellie, I, I think it does show humanity trying to make the best of mm. a bad situation in certain points of the game. When you meet... Um, 
yeah, John's Tommy. brother yeah. and his setup. Yeah. Um, there is a community mm-hmm. of people who, you know, the, the life isn't you know amazing, but like they love each other and yeah. they're they're trying to do their best and you know yeah. keep together and protect each other. There is humanity and love and positivity there in that moment. And I, I don't know, maybe I have a bleaker opinion on humanity as a whole than some people, but like I, I, I don't think anything that's depicted in The Last of Us is any more horrific than examples you, that yeah, have you only need to engage uh, a small amount with the real world uh, outside of the science of the cordyceps, which you know may or may yeah. not be able to happen. Um, there are horrors beyond anything you see in The Last of Us mm-hmm. happening. Committed every, every day, day yeah. in various parts of the world. Yeah, right, right now. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and you know that's the grim reality of it. Uh, now, also, the world is full of you know love and hope and music and color and humanity, um, because we haven't had sixty percent of the population killed and we're living off scraps. So <laughs> yeah, I th- it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, the thing is, like the sixty percent seems like a lot, but that when you actually look at the numbers, that's like pre-world that's like world war one numbers that's pre-world war one world population that's still there so that's like well that's yeah we'll give it 80 years and we'll be back to this (laughs) you know possibly yeah i mean you only see um obviously a very very small part of the world it's it's just our population is now being controlled and and dictated to and dominated and we we have to war among ourselves because of this thing but meanwhile the giraffes have all escaped from the zoo and the monkeys are swinging about in the university and having a fine old time. Yeah. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, the giraffe moment—I love that. Yeah, oh, that moment. It's, yeah. A, it's yeah. a bit of a bit of, as an animal lover, it's a bit of a tear jerker for mm. me. And it's so that giraffe is so well made, it's so well <laughs> rendered. Yeah, and the time—they they don't feel the same about rabbits, though. No, no. Sure, well, yes, you know, very selective. This is yeah. my problem with meat eaters—they're so selective. Yeah, but um, I, I, I think. Just to talk about that giraffe moment mm. a bit more, it, it comes at the yeah, perfect just say, point yeah. in the game because you have just gone through the darkest possible experience mm. uh, uh, you could uh, these characters could possibly have. They've gone through hell. And then to just have that glimmer of hope, and it's small, it is a tiny glimmer of hope, but just to have that giraffe come in and say, look, you know, the world isn't, you know, as horrible as you think it is, Ellie and Joel, um, is really heartbreaking. Mm. And and especially because of the scenes before uh, uh, Ellie sees mm-hmm. the giraffe, you get the sense that Ellie is become really detached yeah. and there are these scenes where Joel is like trying to encourage her to go on but she's just completely lost any motivation mm-hmm. to go forward and then she sees the giraffe and it reinvigorates mm-hmm. her um it's it's a really skillful piece of um visual storytelling yeah. and 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 gameplay storytelling too because <clears throat> right before that giraffe sequence yeah. you get that prompt to throw her up and put down the ladder and you you hit the triangle like you've been hitting it for the past like 20 or sorry 12 hours and she doesn't show up and he's like ellie hey you know and then you have to go over and talk to her again like this is the first time that ever happens and it really throws you off as much as it throws him off too uh we must talk about that ending um before we talk about the dlc and the multiplayer um so uh eventually joel and ellie make their journey their arduous journey get where they need to go to um, 
by this point, it's been revealed, of course, that Ellie is has been bitten and is uh, immune to the full effects of cordyceps. She just has a couple of lumps on her arm, like she's been stung by a nettle or something. Um, and uh, she's at hospital. And as Joel comes around, um, he is told that she is prepared for surgery um, that could uh, produce is likely to produce a vaccine, the cure for mankind, the f- the hope of the future. But she won't survive the operation because uh, her brain is kind of intertwined with with mushrooms. And um, and at this point, I, I've seen, I've actually found some. You know, there's, there's different people have have different feelings about this. Now, I know the amount. I've got a lot of male friends who are uh, fathers of of kids, and um, and they feel you know incredibly protective. They often say things like, "I would do anything," you know, "I would mm. do anything to anyone to protect my child." Now, of course. Let's let's say that Ellie is now effectively Joel's surrogate child, so he feels that stronger bond, even if it's not biological towards mm-hmm. her. And like, uh, as has been said, you know, <clears throat> he she literally means everything to him. But mm-hmm. the fact is that the next sequence is you are slaughtering people who are trying to save the world. That yeah. is that is yeah. the bottom line. And in the end, you kill two people. <clears throat> basically in cold blood a, a skilled brain surgeon who may have been able to save the entire planet or the entire of humanity i should say mm. and uh ellie's original guardian and protector marlene in yeah in absolutely in cold blood but mm. i've found it weird when i see you know i've <laughs> seen very very nice reasonable peaceful people saying things like well i would have done the same you know yeah. those bastards what were they doing to her and like this was the cure for mankind. <laughs> it's like maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe the cure. This, that's that's kind of where I come into okay. like with with these people because like they they're not sure that this is going to work. It's, a, well, it's a good chance. It's a good chance it'll work. But so that's like I kind of had honestly like I'm selfish. I had the same exact feeling that, that a lot of people had, where it was just hmm. go in, get her out of there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I feel, yeah, I didn't hesitate mm. at all when it comes to shooting the. I didn't uh, have a surgeon. problem doing just, it because it made absolute sense for Joel, and this, and, you know, the story exactly, was, yeah. was so beautifully done. But had it been me, I have no idea. There's absolutely no way any of us, any of us, could yeah. know. Of course, uh, I don't yeah. have a real daughter, let alone a surrogate one, um, unless you count my cat. Um, <laughs> Um, but uh, while it made sense for the story, um, for me, it, it basically did, and I think it does for Ellie, especially, you know, even according mm-hmm. to Neil Druckmann, the writer, it basically mm-hmm. makes Joel the bad guy from right. that point. Yeah. You know, not not yeah. just the morally ambiguous guy, but pretty much the, the villain. villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I feel like I feel much the same as you, Leon. Um, while I totally, completely understand why Joel takes the action he takes uh it is in my opinion the greater evil uh in this situation um and killing ellie to find a cure is a lesser evil um because ultimately how, how can you measure the entirety of the human race uh to you know to one 14 year old girl as you know as attached as we are to her like basically joel is damning humanity to extinction uh because of his own selfishness and his attachment to his character you see i i looked at it and thought well the, the whoever the sort of militarized uh junta are that control them they've got their agenda and they're they're you know 
whatever. The Fireflies had their agenda. And it, it felt just like I'd, I had no compassion for these people. Mm. They, 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 they would use others to serve their own needs. And, you know, if I'd spent 20 years living in that world, I'd be willing to damn humanity too to some degree. I'd be like, yeah, um. you know what? You had your chance. <laughs> you don't deserve to live. You lot yeah. are the problem. You were what has been the problem. You were probably what started this thing in the first place, your yeah. mentality. So to hell with a lot of you. <laughs> And, well, and we're going to go live in um, the forests with Tommy mm. and Maria. <laughs> this is this is why I love yeah, this ending exactly. so much because they could have so easily gone down the overly sentimental route of killing either mm. Joel or Ellie yep. and mm. having the player go, oh, how sad is mm. this? Oh, no, you've got this attachment to this character and now they're dead. It's so sad. But instead they choose to ask the player a question mm. instead of just giving them a solid um, ending like a really solidified ending. They just leave the game on this moral question of: Would you do the same thing Joel mm-hmm. did in this situation? Would you damn all of the human race just to save somebody you really cared about? And I, I was really reminded of the um, the ending of Shadow of the Colossus. Mm. Um, I'm hoping everyone mm. on this podcast has played the end of Shadow of the Colossus and knows yes, how it end, uh, ends. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, People at home listening, uh, spoilers for Shadow of the Colossus. But it's essentially the same scenario, uh, except much more fantastical, where the main character is willing to resurrect this, you know, apocalyptic figure just to save this one person because he's, you know, he's selfishly attached to this character and is willing to damn the rest of the world in order to save her. Um, and and I love that kind of mm. fiction. I love mm. that kind of uh, storytelling where it's much, much more about saying, you know, asking your audience questions and not giving them a straightforward answer. Um, and the story goes again that um, the the ending that they went with tested very badly among the focus <laughs> testers that who got to play it. Um, in you know, in the classic way that so many films have had their endings uh, mm-hmm. modified or changed, thinking of the Shawshank Redemption and Fatal Attraction and things like that. Um, didn't spoil those then, did I? No. Uh, <laughs> the 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 end was, you know, they they have this conversation. This this happened. Um, Joel and Ellie are you know marching, uh, yomping, hiking back to uh, the the power generator and the place where Tommy and and his partner wife are uh trying to build up some sort of um safe community um and she asks him outright you know did you lie to me about the fact that you said oh you know they didn't even need me anymore i mean that's the other thing about this it's quite cruel because she goes from being the potential savior of mankind although Mm -hmm. she stays alive she's no longer special she's he takes that away kind of breaks yeah takes Mm. takes something really important away from her the thing that she was surviving for Arguably, the, she she you if she'd been asked, she you know she, she does. Do they even allude to this that she said she wanted she wanted it to happen? Yeah, yeah, no, they yeah. they they even say that Joel knows this. Yeah. like yeah. Mar- Marceline says, you know that yeah. she'd be That's willing right. to make this sacrifice it's for the, all of humanity. Yeah. This is a selfish act. Yeah, and, and on it's, it's, at the um, giraffe I, scene right after that, he asks her like before they go down there. He's like, "Are you sure you want to do this? We can turn back at any point." And go yeah. to Tommy's, and she just goes, "Yeah, if it's uh, what's the line? It's the the the, the big line from the game, like uh, it can't all be for nothing." Yeah, that whole thing. that's right. And uh, yes, yeah. the original version, um, 
she pretty much flat out bought the lie that, <clears throat> that actually there were loads of people that they could use for this potential cure, but mm. it wasn't, you know, it kind of wasn't working, but there's, you know, whatever, there's more subjects that they can keep trying on. I think that's basically the lie he tells, isn't it? Um, but in yeah. the final version, there's this very long look, as you say, that facial animation, and mm. she says, okay, now it's open to interpretation. Neil Druckmann himself has said it's, it, you know, whatever you think she means is is your, you know, your take on it, which is how, you know, that art should be taken or whatever, or mm. stories, whatever. But he says himself, as far as he was concerned, his intent was that she knows at that point that she actually has to leave him. Yeah. That she can't, you know, as much as he, as, as all they've done together and the closeness and the bond they've formed, he basically betrayed all that with his mm. actions. Um, she must know that he had to kill all these, you know, plenty of people to get to her mm. and um, that, yeah, it's probably an unsafe person to be around in lots of ways. Yeah. And, and he basically like, yeah. he sticks the knife in with the lie in the car telling her that she didn't do that. And then he twists it when he lies like straight to her face again, as she asks him, you know, did you do that? Did they, was this all for nothing? And he's like, yeah, you know, mm. so it just, it makes it just such a, it's a heartbreaking moment, man. It's a downer. I mean, yeah. I understand why. Again, people, some people like like they do with with bleak or, or negative endings to 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 any sorts of stories will feel either betrayed or or like they didn't get the resolution they wanted. I completely understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love sort of twist, dark, bleak oh, yeah. endings, um, and the fact that I'd play. The, the weird thing is, I find it very easy to reset when I start playing again. Mm-hmm. I'm still that Joel, yeah. so I know I'm hard. I know I'm morally grey. But I don't start the game thinking, ultimately, I am scum. <laughs> it's like you, you, you are you play in the moment. That's one of the great things about it. The game concludes, of course, uh, with a lovely uh, piece of music that builds up. Um, there's also an amazing piece um, as you are escaping the hospital. Um, oh, yeah. Gustavo Santolala's score throughout is generally um, very underplayed and understated. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, just... Boringly enough, I think it's a fantastic score. Um, lots of really unusual, interesting sounds. He, he shows on the documentary that he was experimenting mm. with instruments he didn't really know <laughs> how to play. And there's lots of mm-hmm. sort of discord and scratching. And, and, and But other times it's actually there are, you know, there are warm, familiar chord sequences on familiar mm-hmm. instruments and things like that. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I love it. I think the interesting thing about it is a lot of the time, unless you actually kind of focus on what you're listening to, you're unaware there's a score there. And it's so kind of intertwined with just environmental sounds and and stuff. It just feels so natural in its, in in, in its orchestration. And it's so unusual as well in in many ways. It just, it, it really stands. It's like when you listen to it independently of the game, you you can't immediately kind of place where these bits were. Yeah. Um, not for all of them. Obviously, the theme stuff is is you know it's there, and you, you recognise that instantly. But there's a lot of it that you kind of think, where was <laughs> yeah. this bit in the game? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, and I wasn't really aware of this, I have to say, um, Gustavo wrote the scores uh, for Brokeback Mountain and mm-hmm. Babel. Yep. Um, won Academy Awards mm-hmm. for both of those. Also for On the Road, August Osage County, and Amoris Peros, um, mm-hmm. among many others. Motorcycle Diaries. Um, so a very very you know. Um, well-renowned his only previous this is a good trivia factoid his only previous video game credit was on fifa soccer 2004 (laughs) 
um, it, there was a, uh, you know, it was one of the licensed tracks which he produced as a, you know, as a as a kind of pop producer, I guess, or, or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, there you go. Very emotional Should game, did FIFA. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, no, it's, it's actually during the era that FIFA was, uh, if I may say, garbage. So, yeah, when the Papa uh, and Yo guy was on there too. Oh yeah, yeah. Very good point. <laughs> so Left Behind came out. Uh, when was it? It was earlier this year originally on PS3, wasn't it? Yeah, um, springtime. Uh, and it tells uh, it flips between uh, the point in the game where Ellie is looking after the very injured Joel and needs meds. Um, and uh, the point before the game starts where Ellie is uh, visited by her friend Riley, who's gone off to join the Fireflies. Um, Xavier Desmond from the forum says, if you love the main game, Left Behind is definitely a must-play. It reminded me that even though the characters and story are what stick with you about The Last of Us, I loved it as an actual game as well. Mm. Uh, so I think for me the most memorable parts of this, I mean, there's some there's some damn tough uh sequences in this where you play as ellie fighting um multiple enemies, yeah. both both infected and human on survivor difficulty it really is quite a challenge um it's a real test of your abilities to both craft and um scavenge for ammo and reload and know your control scheme inside out and mm-hmm. run and hide and <laughs> and all that but the things that stick with me about this, I have to say, yes, it actually probably is the um, the interactions between Ellie and Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's gameplay. Um, there's sequences where you have a water gun fight and you hunt each other down. And I found that almost as tense as fighting clickers, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Uh, and there's a, there's a game where you throw bricks at a car and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. really, it, it is because, again, you know, I was totally you know, charmed by this character by this point, um, seeing her with this very close friend playing on the fairground horse in the mall after they've got the power back up and, mm. and where she imagines the video game for her and all oh, that. Man. I just, oh, I know, just God. the whole thing, just <laughs> yeah. the, the whole way through. But but actually the juxtaposition between those sequences and right. the horror of of getting the meds Present for time. Joel sold they, they sold yeah, they sold one another perfectly. I think it's a I thought it was a fantastic piece of DLC. Mm. Uh, my only complaint yeah. is with the very end of it. I kind of wish, like, I kind of wish we saw Riley's death because I feel like that was a really mm. important moment in her time. I know it doesn't need it because we know how she moves on from that, but I, I don't know. I feel like it would have been a powerful thing to see. Well, it raised the question because I was assumed, based on the scene at the end, you assume they stay right. together, but then. Did, I've always questioned whether Ellie was the one who yeah. actually killed her because she wouldn't have changed. And so Riley would have, in that state, yeah. attacked her. And and so I've wondered, you know, and I don't know if the comic mm. expands on this in any mm. way because I know, the, the, you know, they, they did this comic prior to the main game's release, which was, you know, that early yeah. relationship and Riley's in there. And I don't yeah. know, I haven't bothered even to check on how, how that stuff uh where you know what area does it expand within the narrative but um but yeah i've often i do find it quite there's still a lot mm. of questions as to how she died and who did it <laughs> but i i kind of like that those answers aren't mm. you know you know those questions aren't answered and and i think that kind of reflects a lot of stuff that the main game mm. does yeah. as mm. well like it doesn't show all of the emotional beats it just leaves you with the aftermath like um like 
winter is a great example like the moment uh joel and ellie are brought back together yeah. they cut like several hmm. months to the future and you're left with like you know that they've had that conversation mm -hmm. you know yeah. that they've sat down and really talked about the impact that it's had on ellie but it doesn't show you because yeah. it doesn't need to and i i, I kind of like that they do the same thing with this story like you you know you kind of you can imagine what how mm -hmm. that would go down and how it would affect Ellie because you know Ellie you've you know who she is and mm -hmm. how she would react to certain situations by now so it's unnecessary to show you and in, in some ways I think it's more impactful to leave the player uh, with their imagined sure. scenario mm. um, and there's just yeah. mentioned in passing there's a there's a sweet feature on this now normally stuff like this um, it, it, it's interesting because it, it goes to lengths to explain to you that we're not going to spam your timeline and we're not going to you know we won't post anything without oh, yeah. but, but if you want to connect to Facebook there's a fun thing we're going to do and and one of the uh, one of the things that the girls do when they're playing in the mall um, is go to one of the old style photo booths which uh, which is a cute sequence and you get to choose which faces to pull and stuff like that um, and I thought it was sweet and I've done it twice now on each once on each <laughs> game <laughs> Uh, that multiplayer then, I mean, there's quite... There's, people are still playing this. Obviously, they've started playing it again because of the mm -hmm. new version. Um, but I think this was sort of a sleeper hit. People have yeah. stuck with this for a long period. It's it's not just been a flash-in-the-pan one, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Partly due to the number of copies of the game sold, but partly because people seem to really like it. Um, Cress1968 said uh, it's basically a generic uh, team deathmatch. But they've uh, given you a set of a set number of lives per side. It forces you to play as a team in a way I haven't had for a long time. Mm -hmm. You have to support each other by revives or simply watching your teammates back as they craft a weapon or heal themselves, etc. The lone run and gun player doesn't last very long. It would have been easy for them to give us a generic multiplayer mode, but it's obvious a lot of thought has gone into this, and they want to be as proud of the multiplayer side of the game as they rightly are of the story side of it. Um, and uh, KT120 says, uh, "No, she's played a lot." Uh, the multiplayer was quite a surprising accomplishment to put a multiplayer into a game that people were mostly interested in because of the single player was a gamble, but a gamble that paid off. The multiplayer is brilliant, addictive fun. Aspects from the single player carry over, which turn it into hours of fun to be had. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it did only ship with a couple of modes and a few maps. Um, uh, again, it has a fun Facebook Connect feature, which... Yeah. Um, which uh, brings in your real-life friends' names to your kind of uh, fictional um, group. Um, so there are – what are the two groups? Well, it's Fireflies and Hunters, isn't it? Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hmm. So you you decide on a faction, and then really there's no there's no you know it's again it's morally ambiguous. There's there's no good guys and bad guys. It's all very grey. Um, and yes, it's this sort of very surprisingly slow paced. It doesn't feel a million miles away from the Uncharted multiplayer, but it's incredibly tense and gritty and atmospheric. And um, it, it for me, it completely carries over the atmosphere of the mm. the single player. Um, obviously, you don't have the story yeah. stuff. But um, yeah, I didn't play it for ages. I ha had it on disc, and then eventually, um, Jay said he, you know, had had some good sessions with it, and I joined on. I was like, "Hey, this is I really like this." <laughs> and again, that really says to me that I I really enjoy the core gameplay because yeah. you're you you haven't got the cutscenes, you haven't got the acting, you've just got the crouching mm. and the crafting and the firebombs and the med kits and the upgrades and that incredibly loud visceral shooting. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. I know, Jay, you've played a fair bit. How about the rest of you? 
Yeah, no, I I was surprised how much of this I played because um, like I enjoyed the uh, Uncharted two multiplayer and the mm. Uncharted three multiplayer, but like in both instances, I still felt like the single player was clearly the strong point of the game. But um, with this, they they did a brilliant job of um, actually capitalizing on what made The Last of Us unique as a game mechanically. I like the biggest thing for me is how well the crafting works in in a multiplayer mm. session mm. because I just thought that wouldn't work at all. Uh, I thought that would just really. Um, be awkward mechanically like you'd be stuck in a crafting mm. animation and uh somebody shooting at you and that does happen but like just the way it's implemented it feels like a part of the game like you have to find the quiet moments when like the, the, they're off somewhere else so you can craft a med kit and stuff like that um it it, it, it lends the game uh I don't know, like you, you just feel really fragile uh, as a character in a way that you don't feel like in most multiplayer Yeah, especially games. in the mode where you only have one life. I mean, I yeah. it's not unique at all, but you, yeah. you, you, there is a real tension to it. The fact that it's it's very, it's a quiet game. You hear gunshots off in the distance. Mm-hmm. You hear people shouting. If you don't play with a mic, the characters still uh, give yeah. each other, you know, hints of what to do. It's probably not the best game to play with randoms, um, but to play it with, it, it yeah. can be fun depending on your group. Um, but to play it with uh, a group of friends communicating, it becomes an incredibly intense, exciting multiplayer. Mm. That you know, even if I didn't want to keep my Last of Us remastered disc, you, you know, to play through the story mm. and the and the left behind again i would keep it for this multiplayer because um it's definitely something that i very much enjoyed dipping in and out of i have to say that the interrogation mode mm. is, is really mm. really good and and that is you know whenever you've played these multiplayer maps you've always got those those particular matches that always the the memory of which will stick with mm. you for ages because of the way that it played out it was like that that very first night we all played together and it was this oh, that was brilliant. this yeah. Yeah, and there was this team of all higher levels, and they kicked our <laughs> ass for the first. Well, we had a, they had just a little bit more onto the uh, the, the little sort of uh, yeah. meter that you've got to to fill it. That they had just a fraction more to go, and then they were going to be able to unlock our our safe. And then it, and, and we held for whatever reason we held off, and then suddenly one of us broke through and got to their safe <laughs> and did the same to them, and then. And and we won. We eventually won the match, and it was just like a complete turnaround where it looked like total yeah. defeat, beautifully balanced. And, and it was yeah. just this, yeah. And I just thought this this is actually really good because I haven't felt like that in a multiplayer game in a long time. Just that sheer kind of you know ex, strange kind of excitement that you're playing, and it suddenly it all turns around, and it's that moment where it can just change and yeah hopefully it'll it'll endure somewhat because again you know this remastered version the playstation 4 sold incredibly well the game sold incredibly well mm. so i think mm-hmm. people will people will hold on to it and keep playing it and if not it's only four players aside so you know if you're part of a community like ours you can probably arrange a game night fairly fairly easily Right, we have quite a bit of correspondence, but I really wanted to hear. Um, obviously, I think uh, you've already understood, listeners, that um, the panel is a largely positive one. Um, that happens for various reasons, um, but I make no apologies about it. But fortunately, we have some of our forumites to to uh, speak from the from the opposite side, as it were. Um, and we shall hear from each of them. Jay, do you want to start with IMO? I was 
absolutely astounded, completely blown away. The credits felt like the end of the most amazing TV series ever. It has issues, but it seems churlish to bring them up in light of everything else. KT120 says, The Last of Us is a true video game masterpiece. The story is just incredible. I actually got a lump in my throat a few times in this game and even shed a few tears on occasion. The voice acting is also something to be applauded. The emotion Troy Baker poured into the role of Joel created a protagonist that will be remembered for some time. It was hard to believe that this was Ashley Johnson's first time voicing a video game character. Ashley did a good job in putting female video game characters in a slightly new light, that they aren't just sex objects there for male eyes, but they can be just as strong and impressive as the men. These are the reasons why Ellie is one of my favourite video game characters. The gameplay adds to the list of reasons why this game is what it is. I'm glad that I wasn't restricted to just using guns. Throughout the game you'll discover different weapons that can be created from the ingredients around you and they can be just as effective or even more so against infected. In my opinion this game goes into the vault of great games such as MGS, Resident Evil and GTA. It's a game that I will remember and play through again and again for quite some time. Thank you Katie. One of our multiplayer chums. Derek Ritchie says, To start, I have some reservations about the gameplay, especially in regards to the encounter design. As has been noted before, there are three very annoying, very video game standard sequences that just ripped me out of the world entirely. Alongside that, Naughty Dog created some sections where you have to kill everyone in order to trigger the next section, which just annoyed me. There were a few occasions where I managed to combine stealth and killing to get to the obvious destination, but no prompt appeared until everyone had been dealt with. That removal of freedom to tackle the situation in whichever way I wanted, whether that be with or without bloodshed, was something that just felt at odds with the world around me. It was never too often, but enough to make me wonder why it was a condition of progress. The world is spectacular, though, and the narrative very strong. The way both leads act throughout the story is just fantastic, and I really enjoyed the way that they interacted and grew over the course of the game. Those exchanges at the start of the final city indicated just how much they had come to understand and like each other and were fantastically delivered. And the sense of place, I was incredibly impressed with how much they made a linear path alive with stories and tales of incredible hope and sorrow. Everything that is not actually playing is as high a standard as we have ever seen, and that makes up a very important part of this game. Electric Krakosaurus says, I've been looking forward to playing this since its release last summer, and I have to say I was really impressed. More than anything, I was impressed with the level of tension that the game created. Even at the end, when I was comfortable with the gameplay and quite adept at taking out clickers and humans alike, I never felt overpowered, which is how it should be. Although the game is quite linear, I really found myself playing the roles of Joel and Ellie from around winter onwards. When I entered the operating theater to save Ellie, I was quite surprised at how protective I felt of Ellie and how angry I was at what they were about to do to her. I'm not really a violent gamer if I don't have to be, but I still shot the surgeons in the head because I wanted to be certain that they wouldn't be able to do the same thing to another child in the future. Woodfella, this game just wouldn't let me love it. It's a good game, and I can still remember one or two emergent moments of combat that occurred during my playthrough. But it seemed that, it, that just when I began to enjoy myself, the game went not so fast, Richard, and ruined it. The tedious slog of the first few hours with the SWAT team, the bit where you had to avoid sniper fire, and when I had to go and fetch a pallet for the umpteenth time, I started to decry the fact that I couldn't just let her drown. Oh, and one of the worst bits 
where in a world where resources are scarce, Joel somehow magically uh, gets infinite ammo when he when he gets caught in a trap. And then he's capable enough with a firearm whilst hanging upside down to headshot multiple foes. It completely took me out of the world. An absolute disaster in a game like this, one focused on world building and story. The biggest disappointment came in winter though. I think it's the best part of the game. The shift in narrative and the deer hunt were fantastic. Following the trail of blood and coming upon the wounded animal, sneaking around in the fog was brilliant too. It was really tense and also brilliantly frustrating by design. At this point, the player knows where Ellie is, but Joel doesn't. The fog is an equaliser. But then, then, I entered the building, as Ellie and my heart sunk. I clocked the unconveniently scattered fragments of broken plates and instantly thought, ugh, boss fight. That boss fight with David is horrendous. It sticks out horribly. And that is because it's perhaps the, the game's most video gamey moment. A boss fight. Three hits and he's dead. Mario style. And that's a funny thing to criticise a game for, isn't it? Being too gamey. But up until then, The Last of Us had been a bit different. Film-like in its narrative ambitions. This is a blemish in gameplay and narrative terms, but only served to rip me out of the world just like the trap moment before it. And that's it. When you ask somebody to name their favourite moment from The Last of Us, is almost always a cutscene or part of the narrative the player had no control over. My favourite moment is that little shopping trip with Ellie, or the high five. If you didn't get the high five, you're a monster. I like the end though. It was surprising and brave to end it in such a way. Ari G says, On playing through the game a second time, I have realised something I didn't the first time. The first four or so hours of The Last of Us are not great. Gameplay and level design can easily be broke down into a pattern or two and their familiar game design pattern. Walk to area, clear arena, either kill all the dudes or stealth past all the dudes, collect loot and repeat. There are variations on this formula. Uh, For example, walk to area, collect loot, walk to area, clear area, walk to area and so on. Taking a moment to look at the full picture, though, there are traversal-related environmental puzzles, and with the enemies, there are the human enemies who flank, throw molotovs, and have a variety of weapons and armor to deal with, plus there are the infected, which come in three or four varieties who are best uh, dealt with via stealth. There is the ability to upgrade weapons and to upgrade the main character too. What I am saying is that there is enough variety within even the simpler aspect of the formula that it should be interesting. And it is, but not until later in the game uh, than I remember it being first time. Was Was this a game that should only be played once and left be? What carries the game is the story. For many, this is an issue, right? I hear people both in person and online saying stuff like games should be games and movies and books should be left to do their own thing. The Last of Us, if you look hard enough, tells its main plot through a combination of gameplay and cutscene, but it weaves the second narrative through its collectibles, the story of the world and and what happened to various people within it. And more often than not, it's heartbreaking. The collectibles, for me, are what have kept this latest playthrough fresh and interesting. I know Joel's story. 
I know Ellie's story, but I never got all of these collectibles last time, and they're fascinating and usually give context to areas previously explored or warning as to what's popping up next. That said, Joel and Ellie's story is still interesting enough to see a second time and should definitely be explored at least once. It's just I think it's interesting for the first hour to two hours and then it dies off and ceases to be interesting again until you meet a pair of characters in Pittsburgh later on. But it is hard to know if that's because it's my second time through because of of my moods at the moment or whether it is a genuine observation about the game I failed to notice last time. Both my impression of the story and my impression of the gameplay led to the same thing. The meat of the game, the real aspects that make the game exceptional, are much later than I remember. Perhaps it's a genuinely slow-paced game that carried me through the early hours with world-building and exposition first time. I remember having issues with the game on the PS3, loading time issues, crashes, and level geometry not always loading, much like I had with Uncharted 3 recently, but not the pacing. So perhaps all this is an issue with me. That all said, I still adore the game, and it does offer a lot in terms of ways to handle an arena though the exploration is mostly linear with a couple of deviations, married with an extraordinary story. Buscalilli says, First things first, this was definitely a fantastic experience which I would recommend to anyone, albeit a very grim and unpleasant one at times. It looks phenomenal. The environments swing from beautiful natural vistas to decrepit wastelands with aplomb, and the characters are just right to dodge the uncanny valley but still be full of personality and emotion a colossal achievement that defines the PS3. The plot, although mostly typical zombie apocalypse stuff, was well-written and full of brilliant character moments. Although Joel can be an asshole at times, it always feels natural and the player definitely goes on a journey with him. And Ellie was absolutely perfect. I really did feel compelled to protect her, and obviously the relationship between the two is what holds the game together. The ending, although morally vague, was spot-on for my money, and the bit with the giraffe. It was ruined a bit for me, I must have had some dust or something in my eye. That's the only explanation. As for the gameplay, I've heard a lot of comparisons to Resident Evil 4, and certainly the games start off very similarly, with the player underpowered and just struggling to survive. And obviously the dynamic of protecting Ellie draws parallels with Ashley. However, as the two games progress, they become very different. Whereas Resi gave you more and more tools, making you feel like a badass against the lesser enemies, but adding scarier and scarier things to keep the tension up just the right level, The Last of Us is incredibly linear, and apart from a few surprisingly sparse sections of fighting the infected, it mostly plays like a semi-stealthy cover shooter. In fact, it did something which, if it was deliberate, was incredibly clever and impressive. It made me prefer the moments of peace to the combat. The environments were so real and occasionally beautiful, Ellie and Joel's interactions were so well written, written and the simple puzzle solving was so sedate i would have been quite happy with the whole game of just traversing an empty america so when the violence did come it felt genuinely unpleasant it was difficult tense and viciously gory the game is described by a lot of people as survival horror although a lot of the time it doesn't feel that way there were a couple of panicky escape sequences and the stealth bits had some big jumps but the horror mostly came from the world and the situations in a more vaguely unpleasant sense than the usual it's dark and a monster's going to jump out horror. The scariest moment for me was a horrible boss fight between a little girl and a human villain. All right, Gary Blower says, Earlier today I managed to finish The Last of Us for the first time after two previous aborted attempts. In fact, this playthrough almost never happened 
after the prologue left me in a flood of tears and seriously angry at the gratuitous violence and graphic nature of the climax. I appreciate as a father, I am more sensitive to such things, but that beginning was so horrific it almost put me off playing it any further. In my opinion, it overstepped the mark in what is acceptable. 24 hours later, however, I was in a better frame of mind to continue. Unfortunately, I found the remainder of the game to be a nihilistic, morose, and joyless experience. I largely restricted myself to short one to two hour sessions as the game often left me feeling rotten. At times, I wondered what kind of sick minds would actually come up with some of the conceits and narrative turns. The game portrays an unbelievable world without humanity or compassion, constrained by some pretty illogical and fantastical circumstances. In, con- in parentheses, the whole contrivance of the infected existing for such a long period makes no sense biologically. The human body requires an enormous amounts of energy and fluid to survive for more than a few days. A body standing around muttering to itself for years just can't happen. In even the most darkest days of human history, in the most lawless or anarchic societies, there has remained basic humanity, hope, and collective fortitude, pretty much all of which are ignored by the writers to create the worst possible future. This is a general problem I have with all zombie apocalypse genre fiction, but The Last of Us goes to some pretty dark places even for that. Ignoring the narrative contrivances of the fiction and world, the scenes of infanticide, or at least the aftermaths, and the frequent brutal and graphic murders occasionally committed by a child crossed the line for me. On each occasion, I had to turn the game off. I read reviews, but none of them adequately warned their readers of how brutal and oppressive the game is. Most simply lavish praise on the graphics gameplay, which I found decidedly mediocre, and emotional storytelling. I'm actually astonished that I appear to be one of the few voices in the dark who has such problems with the game. I'm actually quite disturbed by it. In many ways, the Uncharted games were similarly violent and illogical, but they were at least given generous spoonfuls of levity, reverence, and whimsy. For me, they were far more successful in delivering a rounded game experience within the story and characters I can buy into or at least identify with. I appreciate I'm no fan of horror fiction, and I was probably a bit naive going into The Last of Us not expecting it to be so horrific. I assumed it would be more like Fallout or Bioshock, which, while suppressive and bleak, did retain some humanity and dark humor. In the end, I'm glad I at least completed The Last of Us. I did find the later chapters of the game to be a bit easier to live with, probably because by that point I had become desensitized to it. However, this is not a game I will go back to, nor one I would recommend to a friend without a very long list of caveats. Jay with Dom's Beard. I love The Last of Us. Sure, the combat is frustrating, and normally I think I may have binned it after a section where the same clicker had killed me 15 times in a row. But needing to know the story and how it panned out made me plow on. The beginning was a sucker punch, but I believe it helped set the tone for the whole game. I appreciated the fact that the story jumped forward 20 years as this was different. It is a violent game, but with the world being as it is, I think it fits as Joel would have had to have been like this to survive this long. This was hinted at by his brother in their past. My standout scene has to be the end of summer. I really enjoyed the whole section before with Sam and Henry and loved the scene between Joel and Henry and then Ellie and Sam. I got a sick feeling in my stomach when Sam showed his leg and the whole scene still stays with me as one of my favourite scenes in gaming. I really enjoyed the hospital scene at the end as I couldn't believe the treatment Joel had received by the fireflies and taking them all out I found very satisfying. If I would have changed anything, I would have liked to have been given the option to let them operate on Ellie or, or do what actually happens. Uh, Flabio says, The Last of Us is excellently acted, very atmospheric, and can be extremely subtle when it isn't being almost comically OTT. 
I feel that the seasonal chapter structure works really well. Not enough games use this kind of chapter break. I remember really liking the way Alan Wake did it. The world feels very coherent and lets you discover the details of what has gone before yourself rather than beating you over the head with it in cutscene after cutscene. Each section is its own little vignette. Sometimes these are front and centre, sometimes just notes you find along the way. If this kind of grim, dark narrative with ambiguous downer ending isn't your thing, then the story isn't going to do anything for you, though, no matter how well-crafted it is. It is also, however, pretty clunky to play. I suspect the combat controls being so woolly and uncooperative are a deliberate attempt to stave off the ludonarrative dissonance brigade, and to an extent it does. Joel isn't a trained killer, so killing should be hard for him. But it took me hours to get the hang of how to actually play the thing without dying constantly. And then once I had worked out how it wanted me to play it, I didn't ever find myself in any difficulty at all. The controls are definitely a step back from Uncharted, even allowing for the fact it's not a run-and-gun kind of game. The camera could have done with moving up and away a little in melee as well, too easy to be hit from off-screen and when some enemies can one-hit kill. Also, the opening Boston section drags on for far too long and is probably the least visually interesting part of the game. Why do developers do that? The game is amazing to look at later on, but the opening city is pretty generic. So yeah, I enjoyed it, but have zero desire to ever play through it again. Chase210 says, The Last of Us, one of my favourite games ever. Which is funny, because the first playthrough I did, I didn't like it at all. I went to a midnight launch for the game. I'd seen every trailer, every review, had posters on my wall. I got it home and I was, at first, crushingly disappointed. The game, playing on normal difficulty, wasn't what I expected and I was gutted. Until someone on the Kane Rinse forums, I think, advised me to just crank the difficulty up and try again. Which I did and the game became much better even better on survival or grounded. My problem with normal mode in the game is simply it always gives you just enough ammo to shoot your way out of stuff if you need to. Enough supplies for shivs and health kits that the game wasn't very challenging or scary. Turning the difficulty up changes the game significantly, which is exactly what I wanted. You go to an encounter, you have maybe two handgun bullets, a shotgun round and a bomb. There are several infected around, including clickers. You clearly can't shoot your way through. You have to sneak round, turn your torch off, Clickers might not be able to see you, but they can sure hear you, even you brushing against a bottle on the floor. It makes the game incredibly tense. Stealth is absolutely king, and it has an almost perfect mix between Joel going from the hunted to the hunter in a moment. Human enemies are also fantastic enemies, because it forces you to change up your combat styles, since guns are just as threatening as runners. The only bits I didn't like are the ones where you're forced to shoot your way through, such as a final scene in the hospital, or the fight against the bloater, but that Tiny blips on almost perfection. I'm struggling to think of criticisms for this game. I love it. I love it to bits. It shows a game doesn't need to sacrifice story for gameplay, or vice versa. Uh, Let's conclude our correspondence with Nekimansa's brief. Characters are unforgettable. The landscape is bleak and beautiful. The tension is real, and the story will surprise even the most experienced zombie game movie plot guesser. Normally I talk way, way, way more on games, but this one truly does the speaking for itself. This one game is worth owning a PS3 for. You can play nothing else on it and be satisfied with your purchase. Right. Uh, 
a load, as you might expect, of three-word reviews. Let's rattle through these. Junazel, Emperor's New Clothes. Richie Six, Dull, Tedious, Uninspired. Samtik says, Conveniently Placed Palettes. Glenn Watts says, Didn't Need Remaking. Mike Dixon, Shiv That Clicker. Sarah Finalia says, Post-Apocalyptic Dad Simulator. Vimesy74, It's Been Emotional. Patrick Smith, Ending Broke Me. Matthew J. Woolley, Villainous All Along. Tat Sun, Emotionally Charged Excellence. Steamarsh says, Compelling, Gritty, Brilliant. Dastardly Jabby says, Howering, Beautiful, Amazing. Vincent McCauley, Dark, Mature Storytelling. Matthew Rain, Emotional, Violent Perfection. Brad Galloway, Utterly Eclipses, Uncharted. Lee Scovell says, Naughty Dog's Masterpiece. Uh, Jake Del Toro, One Word, Masterpiece. Nathan Druitt says, A Watershed Moment. Uh, Alan Wilkinson says that it raised the bar. Andy Pitty says, An Industry Changer. KT, Howering but Beautiful. Mostly positive, but certainly not exclusively so. As always, very good. Um, I don't think we need to go into huge depth with summarising, but I'm sure we all have something to say in conclusion. Uh, Start with Jay again. Right, I would say if you own a PS3 or now PS4 and you haven't played this game, I honestly think you're doing yourself a disservice. If there's a particular reason, you know, if it's just you haven't got around to it, I I would say, you know, find the time. I think it's it's a game that, uh, for me, it's a shape of things to come in terms of the way that in-game narrative is viewed and the performance within games is viewed. And and certainly it's a benchmark title in that it will be one of those now where, you know, we'll look back in a few years' time and this is where a lot of people sat up and started taking notice of just where and just how you can, uh, you know, carry this stuff over in a video game. Uh, Sean, conclusions? Not much to add to Jay there. It's it's one of my favorite games uh, of all time it's uh, such i know it doesn't do anything new um but what it does do it i feel like it sets the bar for so many things graphics world building sound design uh storytelling it does so much well it's such a finely tuned machine and but one thing um so that, that's that's how i feel about it but i am disappointed in us that um we've gone this whole issue and not mentioned henry or sam We've only mentioned them in passing, and some of our correspondents did. But yes, that's an is, incredible you know, storyline. And and yeah. and as much as like maybe the intro might, uh, you know, it's still emotional every time. And and but sometimes that kind of fades away over time. But every time I've seen the ending to Henry and Sam's story, um, it always raises the hairs on my arm and gets me a little choked up because it, those actors and the way that scene plays out is stunning. And um, I. Can't wait to see where they go after this. I've already said uh, I was very much, uh, I liked this game even before it came out. Um, I was in that fortunate position. Um, I was uh, initially, you know, when it first arrived, I was not expecting uh, as much as the game delivered. I was noticing that it was of a game of familiar themes. Um, and, uh, you know, there are moments in it that are could be considered clunky gaming cliches and contrivances um that very occasionally immersion damaging ai and the sporadic difficulty spikes um at first at least until you kind of learned um the ins and outs of the game but as i say i came away 
um, wanting to immediately play it again, which I didn't do. I saved it for the remastered in the end. Um, well, the DLC came first. Um, and all those uh, quibbles were pushed aside for the amount of uh, fun I had playing it. Genuinely fun. I know it doesn't sound like it, especially you know hearing some of our correspondents who obviously had no fun with either the gameplay or the scenario or the setting. I had fun with all of these things. Um, I found it thoughtful and progressive in its uh, in its intentions. I found it the story moving and captivating. The soundtrack absolutely top notch, uh, and the audio design. Um, and I found the combat puzzle arena, you know, puzzle arenas, and uh, in in terms of stealth combat, and uh, you know, utterly intense, genuinely thrilling, and and uncommonly savage. Uh, but all that in a very good way. Um, as I kept saying, for me, the fact that there's a, a robust um, and highly engaging multiplayer built entirely around the gameplay does say, say to me that there is a lot more to The Last of Us than the admittedly outstanding acting, direction, cutscenes, performances, script and all that. So, yeah, uh, as I say, the remastered edition, say people have said it's unnecessary. Well, yes, of course it's unnecessary, but um, I now consider it to be the best version of uh, of a mm-hmm. game that I love. Um, yeah, and there's the Left Behind thing as well, which is... Um, yeah, kind of now feels like part of it because it comes in the package. And yeah, it's just a, a wonderful disc to own, really. And uh, let's finish with Josh. I always hesitate to say a game that's only just come out, you know, like last year. Um, I, I hesitate to say it's like one of my favorite games of all time. But like having played the PS3 uh, version of the game several times and and now playing the uh, the remastered version of the game, I, I really there's no doubt in my mind that The Last of Us is right up there, rubbing shoulders with some of my absolute all time favorite games of all you know that have ever come out. And um, and yes, like like Sean said, it, it's not original, but it's the execution that makes The Last of Us so remarkable. Like it just takes so many ideas that a lot of games have explored and expands on them and, and just does more interesting things with them and just executes them to a level that uh, I don't think we've ever seen in video games before. It re- The script and the acting really is comparable to something like a HBO miniseries or something like, you know, like Band of Brothers or True Detective or something like that. It really feels like that kind of gritty, real drama, um, which is the kind of storytelling that I love in television and film that I rarely get to see in video games. And it's great to see The Last of Us kind of leading the charge into, you know, more mature uh, storytelling and 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 storytelling that's not afraid to explore the darker side of humanity, the you know the human condition and and everything that goes along with that. But also, I I just enjoy The Last of Us as a gameplay experience. I think it it takes what Uncharted did, but actually makes a game that is far more deep. Um, just every encounter feels like it could go in a different direction every time I play the game. Um, and I just, 
while yes if you play it in a certain way if you try to play it as an action game i think it could be quite an unfulfilling experience but the way i played it as an uh, an aggressive ninja basically <laughs> mm. um it felt really satisfying and yeah the dlc is great if if i was going to recommend it now i'd say if you have a ps4 buy the remastered edition because it is just the best version of that game um yeah, I I think it is a masterpiece. Lovely stuff for yeses. Uh, just remains for me, Leon, to thank Jay, Josh and Sean and to tell you that next time in issue 145, it's a game that only runs on Windows but at least lets you throw yourself out of Windows. Gunpoint. Well, there you have it. Our 2014 take on The Last of Us, the original and the remastered version, which came to PS4. I guess that was even before the PS4 Pro was a thing, so the, the remaster kind of got a boost on the PS4 Pro as well. So there are, as we'll talk about, sort of multiple tiers of, of ways of playing The Last of Us, the story of part one. But yes, here we are, Leon again. My voice may have changed a tad, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I know voices do change over time, but yes. Microphones certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> it's... It's me. Yeah, yes, that's true. Sound quality may be different. Um, but yes, we're here in January 2023. Jay and I, the only two surviving members of t- 2014. <laughs> Don't worry, Sean and Josh are both still fine, but they're no longer with uh, the Cana Rinse podcast in the same way. Um, but uh, here we are to talk about The Last of Us Part One, which was released in September 2022 on PS5. And is coming at the time of recording to Windows PC on March the 3rd, 2023. So there'll be a potentially even more spectacular way to play it. We obviously, the if, depending on the power of your GPU and CPU, as, as great as the PS5 version looks, you can even push the frame rates and the resolutions and the you know texture qualities and whatever else up to mm. the Ultramax on your Windows PC if you have the option from yeah, a couple of months' time uh, when... Fever for the new HBO drama, as I gather Josh predicted, um, kind of, or alluded to, will be, uh, I guess, how, do you, how many episodes is the TV show? Nine. Nine, okay. Mm. Series one is nine, and that covers the first game and then yep. some, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah. First okay. game and left behind. Ah, okay, yeah, so. cool. I guess that'll be like a standalone episode, maybe a flashback? Thing. Probably, uh, yeah. Probably in a similar way that it kind of fits into the main yeah narrative cool very exciting stuff so um i think i do want to address even though we don't always talk about the kind of the the talk around games obviously post the last of us part two which we've also done a podcast on uh certain the audience has been kind of divided there's a lot of people who are very vocally anti part two and therefore have become anti everything to do with the last of us and I think that combined with the pricing and the timing of this remake, The Last of Us Remastered was still on uh, PlayStation Plus library. And I think when Sony announced that this was coming out as as a £70 full price release, there was a certain amount of teeth drying, air sucking, Mm. um, which I can completely understand. It's, It's a lot of money for a game you've already played. Um, I mean, this, this sort of segues nicely into our history with this version is Mm. that I was excited for it from the start. 
obviously i'd have rather they'd released it at a, a more mid-price point as it had already been released and it is effectively leveraging a lot of stuff that already existed assets wise and things like that writing acting you know it's all still in there but because my love for this game which has really not changed at all uh, since we recorded that podcast i still love it i still play it um my excitement was such that i was willing to pay slightly grudgingly the full price for the game at launch but i knew it would get cheaper is that where you come in jay did you yeah. wait for a little a little price drop yeah i'm stubborn <laughs> like that i mean it's fair enough you know we talk about this on the monthly of our patreon monthly podcast fairly irregularly Mm-hmm. But it comes up about price points and stuff. Or we, or I'm, I'm prone to waiting. Yeah. But I'd, I'd already said that I wanted to play this prior to the, the TV series starting because I wanted yeah. to be, I wanted to do a full kind of one and two, one, two mm. punch replay before the series started. So I was hoping that I could pick this up in around about Christmas for a reduced price because you got pre Christmas sales, you have. Yeah. New Year sales. So there's a lot of sales at this time. One particular thing that I forgot about, which turned out to be hugely beneficial, was um, Black Friday. Oh, and yeah. it was the, the early, was that like the first week of November or something? And I think it was one of you guys posted it on the Slack that it was like 45 quid on a mm. Black Friday sale. And that was where I immediately thought, I'm not waiting any longer. That's where I come in on this. Yeah. But I was, I'm like you, I was, I, this was on, as soon as this was announced, I, it was on my two playlist. I just, I don't day one stuff, so I wait. But fortunately, I only had to wait about sort of five weeks before, yeah. um, what was it? No, it's yeah, a bit longer, a couple of months. Yeah. So a couple of months and then I managed to grab a copy for, you know, a, a, a decent reduction. But I can I, I completely understand the the argument of this, and I think it's a uh, discussion that's going to come up a lot in coming years. I think because we're going to see a lot more of this kind of thing coming up. Because not only have they um, announced this, there's rumor flying around now that they're even working on a remake for um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Yeah, right. And I guess to coincide with the the TV series that's being it's currently in pre production now, so mm. it's like. I guess in this time, you know, some point next year, we'll we'll see the the thing on that. But I think if that comes out at a full price um, release, there'll be a hell of a lot of pushback against it because you know technically it's an even younger game than The Last of Us is at that point. It would be what seven years. So yeah. I think this is a conversation that's going to keep coming yeah. coming around all the time. But and people have to make their own choices exactly yeah and uh, and they have their own feelings on what things are worth and that's uh-huh. obviously absolutely fine yeah um and of course yes if you wait prices inevitably drop especially digital sales and if it's a, as it's a sony owned title mm-hmm. there's every chance it'll end up as a ps plus game at some point what at least on one of the um tiers that you might be on um, I don't know what the current price is. I don't know whether it is, it hasn't had a permanent about, reduction yet, has yeah, it? Yeah, I think currently it's on about sort of fifty three, fifty four pounds or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure about buying it physically, but obviously people can do their own mm. research. Mm. And as I say, everyone yeah. will have a mind. Maybe maybe our upcoming conversation about the quality of the release will persuade people whether whether it's worth it to have another playthrough 
of this version over the remaster, which, yes, I think the remaster is mm. still pretty damn fine and still looks pretty decent, especially running the PS4 Pro client on a PS5 mm -hmm. or on a PS4 Pro. Um, but you get the advantages of it not being a noisy affair on, on the PS5. Yeah. Um, you get the highest resolution and frame rates possible of the old version. And if you then, if you compared, I, I would I would suggest that if you ran remastered side by on on a ps4 pro or a ps5 next to the original ps3 release you'd find the differences quite stark and startling at this point i think the ps3 version as great as it was in 2013 would probably show its age it would probably look quite low res and fuzzy and yeah. a bit choppy now yeah i well i went back and i replayed i didn't i thought i had a completed save but i realized that i'd changed my ps3 in the time since playing it and oh yeah um so I had to just play the intro, and yeah, I, di I didn't. Yeah, there probably would if I'd had full ch chapter select, there would have been a few chapters I would have bounced in. But I've yeah. got to say, I don't think I'm ever going to go back and look at the older versions at all after playing this one. I don't yeah. feel the need to at all. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, and obviously the uh, I guess one other controversy, such as it is, was the removal of the multiplayer component compared to the PS3 mm. and PS4 versions which had this uh, quite robust and enjoyable factions mode, which I did play a little bit though. of, but it was short-lived, yeah. yeah. And they're now repurposing that into an entire release. Yeah, and whether that's a free release or whether that's a paid-for release is yet to be kind of sure yeah. thing. So I think at this point, that, that kind of, I get the discussion there, but I feel at this point it's too early to make a call on it because if it comes out as a free client, then... You know, where's the mm. problem exactly? Yeah. You know, it's like yes, although it may be absolutely stuffed with microtransactions. Although I think the original had quite a bit. Yeah, of... they they have if they have stuff, they have stuff. You know, it's like mm. again, but we shall see. Yeah. Uh, so the only real staff changes to speak of are significant, but but less so in some ways because obviously it is it is a remake of the first game, pretty faithful in many ways. But uh, the original directors and development leads of Bruce Straley and Neil Druckmann are replaced by Matthew Gallant and Sean Eskeg for The Last of Us Part 1. Naturally, there were some bullet points that Sony wanted us to know about, reasons to potentially part with our money. Completely rebuilt using Naughty Dog's latest PS5 engine technology with advanced visual fidelity, fully integrated DualSense, wireless controller features and more. A total overhaul of the original experience faithfully reproduced, but incorporating modernized gameplay mechanics, improved controls and expanded accessibility options. Feel immersed in improved environmental storytelling effects, facial animations and enhanced exploration and combat. Did you feel all those yeah. bullet points? And what's so what's funny about this is when I first started playing, because I played the PS... So my playthrough on this, I went through three times back to back yeah. through the through part one. And when I started playing this, it felt exactly as I, re as I thought I remembered it. Yes. You know, and it felt this, and even visually, I wasn't so like, how can I say that I wasn't as blocked? So in my head, I'm thinking mm. this is what The Last of Us looked like in 2013. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm thinking, okay, and it's only when you go back yeah. and play the original version that you can feel immediately feel the control difference, mm -hmm. and it and it um it, it's difficult to actually sort of, vote, you know, 
explain what it was that just felt different but it feels i mean the pad itself is different so there's there's that and then mm-hmm. it's just this kind of i don't know sponginess to the movement to the to control yeah. that didn't that immediately f- made you aware of just how different this version actually was like mm. but at the time when i first started playing it it didn't feel quite as apparent only when i went back and, and checked it out did i then have something to compare it to and i was like wow okay yeah you can feel the difference and certainly in terms of animation and character and textures and all the rest of it you know it was like it feels like you've got know, you've got a vaseline smeared glasses on when you're playing mm. the original now it's like oh wow but yeah. um but yeah like you go back with a sort of a fresher perspective on it and think, oh my God, yeah, it's like everything just pops so much more and the precision and, and, and things like the shooting as well. I, although I didn't get to do a lot of that really because I didn't, um, I only played like the first opening hour or so, so I didn't really do a lot of shooting in that mm. section. Yeah. Um, and that's why I would have preferred some of the later chapters to really kind of get a real sense of the differences. But, but now it's, yeah. Yeah, Naughty Dog games used to get a lot of criticism for the feel of their shooting which I, right. I i felt was you know in some ways somewhat justified although i always enjoyed these and the uncharted games but yeah. as i recall the last of us felt like a step up from uncharted in terms yeah. of us in terms of their nailing the this kind of precision of combat and the combat feel but every iteration since then mm. has felt a little better to me yeah. um whether it's adding the 60 hertz obviously the the higher resolution actually helps with target acquisition and things like that mm. um i was sort of, i was reading or watching something the other day where people saying that actually you know it's not just when it comes to sort of playing particularly competitive online games resolution and and level of detail and things like that really mm. do matter because it actually plays into the gameplay and and here although if you're not playing on the hardest difficulties um you know the game is you know it has moments and you can definitely still die but um but i wouldn't i wouldn't say the overall experience is uh, you know it's not it's not dark souls hard or whatever you you are meant to progress but um the the playing with the enemies and stuff uh and and having long-range combat and stuff is only assisted by the increase in frame rates and resolutions that that the newer versions give you I think uh, another aspect that is uh, is worth commenting on is is the sort of the use of the part two AI on the enemy soldiers, uh, soldiers, enemies, and clickers, yeah. and yeah, yeah. whatever else. Um, I think they they behave a bit more uh, authentically. There's quite a few. Mm. There's a few more times where they were a bit smarter about flanking and things like that. Um, there was that famous yeah. comparison. I'm sure we talked about it on the original podcast mm. of the the intended AI for the original game and, and the and the shipped AI, which was a bit yeah. of a downgrade from what they were what they were hoping for. And I think maybe the AI in this still doesn't quite reach what they were aiming for with the original game, but it's closer. Uh yeah, I mean uh, they, they they do stuff that the original didn't do. Um flanking for starters yeah. it wasn't a thing that they you know, they seem a lot more intelligent than they they used to be. Um it's weird because I really what I liked with this because I, as I said earlier, I, I bounced through both games mm. back to back. I went through this. I went through part one three times, then played part two once, 
But it was what I really appreciated is is that crossover. One thing that this version has taken is a lot of the menus and control schemes yeah. from part one straight into you know, or they've taken it from part two straight into part one. And there was a real fluid like transition between the two games. Like yeah. there was no relearning, no having to kind of adjust anything. It was all just kind of exactly as the previous game uh, in the in in the process of playing part one and two you know mm. part one was bang on like it, they just copied and pasted the whole every, more or less the entire menu and and stuff all over from yeah that. and the crafting and yeah uh, and workbench um which have now been given these incredibly complex and lavish animations mm. um i i do it does sort of even though as 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 cool as they look and as beautifully animated as they are it does sometimes make me laugh when you like you're right i'm gonna i'm gonna uh increase the range on my rifle and he basically just gets a rag out and polishes it <laughs> yeah so, sometimes they're more yeah. complex than that where he'll actually you'll see them you know screwing on a site and all this kind yeah. of stuff which is really cool but sometimes it's a bit uh <laughs> does that really work i don't think so yeah i, I mean i'm i don't own a gun so i don't know well, no no <laughs> I'm sure keeping it clean probably does make it a better weapon, but um, but yeah, but I loved all that stuff. I was, and that was something that was one of those few things that really stood out to me as like wholly different. Like you know, the I liked the original from what I can remember, and I mean, if I've gone, I've looked at a few YouTube videos for the comparison on mm. what the original looked like, but this stuff was on a level of detail. Like there was one particular thing. I think it's when you screw. When you've got the um, the sniper rifle or the the hunting rifle, yeah, and you put the the long range scope on it, yeah, yeah. there's four screws on the top of this, That's and it. you see the screwdriver go in precisely the right mm. point as he's screwing it in, and I thought that's like just on a level of like the attention to detail thing. I loved that. I loved what, looking at that stuff, and I was always kind of interested to see how far it went with that. Um, I think the haptics are really strong in those bits as oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which and I th- and again, I think they they do add a lot. And the haptics are now something where, obviously, we've we've had kind of vibration mm-hmm. in our laps since uh, I guess my first game was Star Fox sixty four Lilac Wars in in mm-hmm. nineteen ninety seven, and obviously that was very kind of basic mechanical rumble on or off mm. for lo- for longer periods. And now we're at the point where in some games like in uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, every single step on the PS5 version, mm. you get a little vibration. Um, it's one of those things where I think it's, I was, I was saying uh, to, to our Darren the other night, um, mm. we were playing um, Dead Space 3 together and he was commenting that his rumble had stopped. And it, um, that's yeah. basically, it switches it off when the batteries are going on the controller. Right. And, uh, and I, and I was like, I don't always notice when that happens, but as a battery saving measure, that's quite yeah. interesting. But on the flip side of that, I do really notice now the difference between playing Xbox games and PlayStation games in terms of the ones that actually utilize the DualSense for yeah. complex haptics. I think I do find like it's a complete luxury. It's not essential to my game playing life, but when it's there and done well, it can add something. Oh, it adds a surprising amount i do notice it if i turn it off like it feels like there's something missing right. and it feels it's like it you know what it is because you're, you're not feeling it but it's surprising how much it takes away from the experience once mm. you've gotten used to it being there yeah like i feel like you know 
it makes me uncomfortable to keep playing a game if the haptics have been switched off. Mm-hmm. Like I need them back on because I, I feel like it's it's a weird kind of yeah the, the they're in, they're integrated so much into the actual game and experience and when they're done well, like it feels like it's just it's another sensory aspect of of playing the game that if it comes away like you know it's like if you um as we'll talk about this within the accessibility stuff but there's um one of the things they've done with the haptics on this in particular is um haptics to speech which this is i think the first game that i've encountered them doing this and it's all part of their accessibility stuff. yes but I was really fast when I first started playing it. I turned this on because I wanted to know what this was, and it's basically just subtle vibration that goes in flow with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's, I I have no idea how that helps people, like because I don't have a problem, I can hear the speech. But mm-hmm. I was thinking this is actually fascinating, like mm-hmm. in terms of the implementation of this stuff, like the idea of vibrating the pad. So you can feel when people are talking. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you're able to ascertain, well, I suppose you'd be looking at subtitles as well as feeling the speech that it gives you that extra kind of yeah. layer to that experience, yeah. which I we're, thought... Although is, the facial animation is good, we're probably not at the lip reading uh, stage yet. So I imagine... Um, I, don't know how, how, I don't know how close that is mm. off if, if we'll see that because... Um, not long, but, uh, but probably no, not but there it, for... for for AAA titles anyway, but... Yeah. yeah, I think we'll probably see that level of... I, I, see, I'm curious because I don't lip-read, so I'll be curious for somebody who does lip-read whether mm. that is how far it is away from that. Yeah. Because we're at the point where um, one of our recent podcasts was Spider-Man Miles Morales. Mm. That is interesting because there is a um, a character who has, uh, like a hearing-impaired character who uses um, American Sign Language. Yes. Accurately. like. Yeah so well you know it's animated to mm-hmm. the point where you can read it yeah and i thought that's fascinating like just this that's where we're at now with this kind of thing so i don't think we're a million miles away from no i i expect from, on the, the the on the most high rendered the the, the most expensive visually uh cut scenes mm. uh i expect you can lip read those because the the animation is you know the mo- the motion yeah, yeah. performance capture is 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 so uh one to one yeah um and uh, i think uh i think all the the cutscenes are now rendered in 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 engine rather than yeah. before where they yeah, were yeah. pre yeah, yeah. pre canned which again is one of those things where you could greet that as a player with a an alan partridge shrug like so what mm. it doesn't make any difference to me but it does mean that you can well it does carry, in gameplay as well because yeah, there's you no can loading ca- there was loading between those two between the old version right. you would get a black screen for a second yes. before it went into from yes. cutscene to gameplay and now it's like the seamless transitions yes. like just yeah the no, whole game is pretty much like yeah seamless isn't it and yeah. yeah as partly the the extra power of the PS5 and the SSD and all that mm-hmm. stuff um which is which is all good, yeah. But f- further to the uh, the accessibility conversation, mm. this is something that that Sony's been um, driving at for a long time now. Yeah, I don't know if it's you know if it's all entirely for the for the good of their hearts or or, or whether it's to increase their market share or. Well, I think a combination but, really, because yeah. I mean, by making a game so. where more people can play it, more people are likely to play it. I That's feel it. you yeah. know. 
Uh, Microsoft and Sony have both been kind of doing a lot with this. Obviously, yeah. Microsoft released its adap- adaptive controller some years ago, and Sony have just announced theirs, which is great. Um, game, I think Sony may be led in terms of software with accessibility, and Naughty Dog mm. was one of the studios that was pushing it from quite early on. Was it Uncharted yeah. 4 that was one of the earlier games to have a big old suite of accessibility options? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Um, and obviously, Xbox have, have kind of gone there with Forza Horizon 5, having mm. an actual sign language uh person in the corner of the screen and all this kind of stuff which is which is fantastic now yeah i'm a i'm a lucky privileged person currently i don't need to use many of these options um i choose to use one or two of them Mm. um i i do increase subtitle size in some games not because i'm you know really on the on the brink of not being able to see just because as you get older smaller (laughs) text can can get harder to focus on um and the other one I use, which is purely a, a preference thing, is um, I turn QTEs from hammering to holding because yeah. I just find it boring. I'm just done with that. Like some games, I feel it adds something. Mm. But uh, with with a game like this, I'm happy to not have to kind of hammer the whatever button to mm. open a door or choke someone out or whatever. I'm happy just to push it or hold it. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that. But obviously here you've got an absolute... Oh, ream of options where you can you can change any facet you want to pursue. I mean, there might be things missing. I don't know because I'm not an expert in this field, but I do. I know that this game has won awards for its accessibility options. You can change the colors of everything to high contrast. You can make it so that you progress, even if you're you know not necessarily capable of completing sections. Uh, You can. What else can you do? Remind me. There's, there's there's tons of stuff. Like so, there is. There's no word of a lie. There's probably about sixty individual options to yeah. choose from. You've got so they're all under kind of they're under a bunch of um, headers initially. You've got alternate controls. So that's like within that you've got all the you literally you can remap the entire controller, um, and that's also where you turn from like holds and presses. Which yep. is like you know the changing the tap to hold to hold mm-hmm. to toggle that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there's the assistance options within that, which are lock-ons, auto, which is and this is where I I use this on the playthrough, which is auto pickup. Ah, uh, okay. So you don't you don't have to manually kind of and you know press a button to to pick anything up, hmm. which I thought you know I that that's something that I don't feel adds anything necessarily to the gameplay but it makes it a lot easier so you just go near stuff and it hoovers yeah, it up and and you will automatically grab it if like you an old it. video game in some ways just like the you know you walk over a, a box well this it- is so i like playing games where i go over a gun i automatically pick the ammo up if right. i need it <laughs> so it does it's that kind of thing but it i saves- didn't even think of turning this one on because i'm sort of kind yeah. of a, a bit addicted to the kind of triangle 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 sort of gathering gets, up all this stuff. i find that i get a bit annoyed by yeah. having to do this all the time hmm. like just keep pressing the button to go <laughs> right. over stuff i i don't I mind try looking for stuff but i don't want to be kind of keep tapping the does same it work button. with the collectibles yeah yeah it works well actually as I in documents some, and stuff um no because the ones you have to read you have to manually kind of that you get a prompt yeah but so i use a few of the i do go through these kind of options often and i wanted to have a look at these anyway but there's there's a ton of stuff i mean so i'll I'll just run through the 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 various headers on this because after you've got alternate controls you've got magnification and visual aids and this is another one that i use but only on post first playthrough so i'll 
I, I use this on the second and third playthrough, but this is specifically um, to help with collectibles, which is um, the high contrast display. Yeah. There is three options, but the first one is the one I usually leave it on, which basically it renders everything in like a gray scale. Mm-hmm. And enemies are rendered in like red. Yeah. Your friendlies are in blue. And anything that you can interact with is in a very bright yellow. Mm-hmm. So I found, and I used this on part two when it was on after you you do your first playthrough and you realize how many of the collectibles I was missing. Yeah, right. I find that the collectibles in these games, same with the Uncharted yeah, games, are really hard. Hard as hell to find them sometimes. I, there are so many tokens I'm missing. and yeah. yeah, yeah. So I turn on the high contrast mode because anything that's a pickup, uh, you can like get for trophies. Part two yeah. was, well, yeah, but part two was kind of diff- even harder because there were little coins you were looking for and they were tiny. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can't see these things. Naughty Dog know? has a weird thing with hiding yeah. its collectibles incredibly well. Yeah. I've never yeah. bothered to follow a guide, but I quite like to go through and actually get them. I've all, used guides on some of the Uncharted games because yeah. I just literally couldn't find them. And sometimes yeah. they're staring in your, they're right yes. in your face. Like and you, you get better at this? working out where they might have put them, yeah. but they 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 do have a knack for putting yeah. them in places you don't think to look. But then you also seem, to, I feel like you spend a lot of time going down blind alleys, just you know, dead ends with nothing yeah. in, just a load of dumpsters and yeah. leaves, and yeah. there's nothing there. You're so scrolling around looking for the yeah. prompts to come up on the screen. So I, I use this high contrast mode in order to avoid all that. So on like the second and third playthrough. If there was an area where there's um because you can see as you go into your chat to select which ones you're missing stuff on and it'll tell you, you know, a number of collectibles found and that sort of thing. And so if I've only got like a few, I will turn on that mode in order for mm. me to be able to spot them. Because it does take a lot of the leg you know, unnecessarily like the unnecessary legwork of trying to find a collectible. You've got no idea where they've hidden it. So I turn those modes on just to make it easier. And that's the purpose. I mean, accessibility, it's a weird thing that I, you know, I I get the purpose of this for people, you know, with colorblindness and all that kind of stuff. It makes their life a lot simpler with in terms of playing the game as well. Yeah. And that's great. But I find that there's a lot of this stuff. Like the level of this, like, so one thing they've, they've added to this, which is in two, but they've got like a whole stack of motion sickness uh, stuff as yeah. well. Yeah. So you can like adjust like the obvious things like motion blur and and um, the effects on screen, but you can put like a a, a dot in the middle of the screen to yes. focus on. So the, all these little things, mm. you know, which I feel are kind of awesome. Yeah. And then there are some that you think um, they've also got this thing when you've finished one playthrough, you unlock what are called gameplay modifiers. Yeah. And the. You can look at them as the old-fashioned cheats. I mean, they are actually called cheats in the thing. But then you've got things within the accessibility that fall within the same kind of remit with this stuff, where you've got, um, after the motion sickness tab, you've got navigation and traversal, and there's a stack of options within there. But the the two that that I caught were were ledge guard and infinite breath, so that when you're underwater, Uh, you don't have to kind of worry about holding your breath. Which I found a couple yeah. of times yesterday and thought that was annoying, but yeah. you know. But obviously, yeah. If you if you if you want the challenge of not drowning in certain sequences, yeah. which are designed to be, you know, you're you're supposed to be swimming to air pockets. You're supposed yeah, to be yeah. checking your environment. But if you've done it, you don't but want if to do you're, it. Yeah, if but you can't I, do I, it. Well, that's it. If you if it's just you don't want to, that's fine. But some people, you have 
you know, people with disabilities and stuff are may have like motor issues that exactly. it's not quite it just takes that level of fiddliness out of some of the control stuff yeah. and i'm i'm down with all of this I'm yeah not, absolutely like, yeah. i've i so on my second and third playthrough i used a ton of those modifiers oh, yeah infinite ammo infinite crafting i am not messing around on the second and third playthrough because it makes those a doddle and then i my priority because i platinumed the game i wanted to get a full suite i didn't want to mm. you know um, I wanted to get all those collectibles, so I don't want to mess around with looking for crafting items when I. So I just turn all that stuff on, right? And so I can, yeah. you know, infinite melee durability, so I can just pick a good baseball bat and stick with it through the whole game. You know, <laughs> oh, okay. it's like all this yeah. stuff. See, for um, me, I don't think I would do that stuff because I, I do like to continue engaging with the stuff. Although you play, like I've played through The Last of Us a, a whole number of times, but. Mm. I don't play through it quite the sort of the the same with the same veracity as you do, so it does make sense. That's, and it and it makes yeah. me laugh, like yeah. the idea that whenever people get very precious about not adding these options to other games, mm. as if as if it in any way impacts upon their way of playing it, or yeah. or indeed the default difficulty setting of a game. Like you can you can still play, you can actually play The Last of Us Part One with. Yeah every all accessibility switched off and all help switched off yeah and make it basically so it's a one-shot kill game with incredibly limited ammunition you can yeah. turn it into a proper hardcore survival game yeah. if that's your bag you yeah. can do that and it and it supports it uh, uh but if you just want to or only can enjoy enjoy it as an interactive cinema story mm. those options are there too why not I, yeah. yeah i just I, I can't see any strong argument against really no, I mean, some of the more interesting stuff is like when you've got the, um, there's a whole stack of options within what they call screen reader and audio cues as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can, and within the audio cues, you can go through and enhance or remove various aspects of the audio. So like enemy speech, gunfire, all these things are mm. adjustable. So you can basically make the game comfortable for you to listen to because there are some times you do get games where something might feel a bit too loud or it's getting a, yep. or it becomes even as a you know just playing a, any game sometimes you can get a little irritated by hearing the same oh, absolutely yeah. effects all the time yeah, so yeah, you yeah. can you can nullify all this stuff oh and you... my favorite that this game has that not enough games have i, I think it's it's becoming a thing and i've, I've moaned about it before you can turn vibration off in cutscenes. <laughs> thank heavens yeah because yeah. i hate that i really hate that like it's if you put the controller down and it starts going crazy it yeah, yeah. It does my nutting like I, I get that you want the option maybe of haptics particularly in cut if you're scenes, sat there watching it yeah i but, feel like it is yeah. yeah 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 all very good stuff um yeah i mean talking about the audio this supports the the playstation 3d audio uh, yeah. if you've got the the, the headset I find that the, the, the vertical stuff about 3D audio is not super noticeable, but the surround is. The surround mm. is, uh, is, is very effective for me um, and does help you know where things are coming yeah. from. And generally, the audio design in this, uh, without doing a direct one-to-one -one comparison, obviously on the internet, there's lots of um, screenshots of mm. graphical comparisons and videos, which are... Mostly fairly stark. Occasionally you'll go, oh, you know, the original still looks pretty good. And, and yeah. other shots you're like, whoa, it looks 
it looks like a, a it looks like a PS5 game instead of a PS3 game. Yeah. Um, but but I think the audio fidelity is is enhanced as well. You know, there's a lot more uh, depth of sound and breadth of sound. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Both in terms of its audio frequencies, but also the the actual the foley the the diegetic effects and all that kind of stuff mm. there's way more it's more of a, a physical or visual thing but there's way more destruction in the environments than there was so firefights feel a lot more kind of intense with bullets uh you know going past you and smashing yeah. into glass behind you and, and bodies as well i mean yeah. i i on the second and on my second and third playthrough i would use uh molotovs and um nail bombs a hell of a lot because i had infinite crafting so i'm just oh, using yeah. <laughs> like that and the flamethrower <laughs> yeah it's, yeah it's just yeah i'm currently like, on a new game plus where i am right. still limited but even then it's it's pretty oh, then, much like yeah a, like, i can just go on a killing spree yeah. there's a bit um within the game when you're playing as ellie and you're going into the um the like chalets and the holiday homes after you've escaping from the um the yeah. guys chasing you. Mm-hmm. If you hang out in the room, there was a bit where I would just draw them in by throwing like a bottle and they'd come in and then I'd have a nail bomb in there's a little kind of corridor bit. And I noticed just how how much absolute destruction is wrought upon the room right. and the body parts all over the place. The whole room was literally sprayed red by the time the room... <laughs> because each time, each time some a new person would come, yeah. they'd hear the explosion, others would come running in. I'd already set another bomb up in the corner. Yeah, I would yeah. literally just be throwing them out the door at the end of the corridor. But they keep running into them. And each time, the bodies that were left there would just get decimated even further. And it was like that somebody had literally poured... Bl- it was just the carpeted in body in parts Patrick and Bateman red. style. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I don't remember this in the first. Version. I actually thought, uh, am I um, right in thinking uh, I've played I've played through part two yeah. a couple of times and and this uh, this part one version yeah. a couple of times. Am I right in thinking they've actually toned down some of the the because you know part two is all about like it's a, it's a a very unsubtle commentary yeah. on violence yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of the violence in it is pretty extreme including mm. in the firefights now obviously in this game there's still plenty of gore and nastiness but i feel like maybe some of the sort of the you know shooting people's arms off and stuff like that mm. isn't su- such nah. a big thing here no <laughs> just use the shotgun and find out but it's no I, I, I didn't um i thought it was that there was a couple of times where kai was sat next to me and it's the the, the first time you encounter the bloater in the gym yeah and it literally tore his face apart, and even Kai was like, "Oh my god!" Like, yeah, I meant I, was, I meant in the actual rather than the cutscene deaths, the oh, the actual firefight stuff. Yeah, no, I would do so. One thing that I noticed seemed to happen a lot more often in this version of the game. Now, where I, I I'm not sure if you, I can't remember if it was in the original, was the bit where you wing people mm. and they go down and they start pleading because I remember that in two. Yeah, I no, don't that, remember that's this an in, addition for part one that wasn't yeah. in. Because I remember us talking about it years ago. Yeah, I remember you you saying, although you know it sounded a bit brutal and and unpleasant. We were saying sort of how cool would it be in a, in a video game if yeah if you had people begging antagonists. I think we were talking yeah. specifically, maybe if memory serves, it was uh, Red Dead Redemption stuff. But it was right. like, um, but it was this idea of like people, you know, dropping their weapons and kind of yeah. surrendering. 
and you've been left with a, a situation where you make yep. a choice, as you do with this. Yeah. Although there's not really a choice. It's it's like, do you club them or shoot them is the, the choice you, you have. You can just walk off, can't you? Um, I wouldn't. I'd never try. I've never tried it. In fairness, I never tried haven't. it because I just didn't trust them. <laughs> so I was always like, yeah, I'm not giving you the option. But I would use the shotgun a lot. So it was like, yeah, if you pop them, there's there's not much left of their head when you do. And it's like you can like do a lot. Uh, you can blow their legs off and blow their arms off and and stuff. All that stuff. I d- I found that out in the um the right. hotel sequence because I was okay. literally just camping behind a. a a barricade just mm. popping people with the shotgun as they you know yeah came within reach did but, the um, ps3 original have a photo mode no I can't, no no and they no. but they the remastered did yeah yeah um yeah. but it's overhauled for this version and you as a big photo mode user uh, a big yeah but it was yeah but i found it i didn't find it as useful in this or as like the photo mode is something that I do kind of... It, it Like, it's a good photo mode, okay? I've taken a few. But I thought I I enjoyed playing around with 2's photo mode a little more. And hmm. I don't think there's that much difference between them, but it felt like... So it does that thing where when you... um, There's a lot of functionality with it, right? There's, there's definitely things that 2... That part 2 doesn't have in its photo mode, which is uh, individual spotlights where you can attune all mm. that stuff. But the biggest problem, and it, it's a hindrance that I've got with all photo modes that do this, it locks to your player character. So if you're Joel, if you're playing as Joel, and you activate the, the photo mode and you want to take a picture of Ellie, you've not got a free camera. The mm. camera orbits around where Joel would be. You can make Joel disappear, remove yeah. him from the shot, but right. it's still orbiting around him. Mm. And so do the spotlights. And so I found that it's really difficult to set that stuff. Mm. Um, the, a good example of this would be something like Spider-Man's, where it's like a free camera and a free spotlights. Yeah. So you can. Do you think it's the of... nature of because The Last of Us is not an open world game? It's a very it's it's a cleverly disguised mm. sequence of boxes in which yeah. you play. Do you think that's yeah, part yeah. of the issue that they can't let the camera go too far in the wrong direction? I don't know. I don't know because this has been completely rebuilt. Like it may use some of the, uh, it may be a code thing that some of the base code is still, you know, hinders that. Mm. But there are other games similar to this that have a similar kind of world build, but the camera's free. And you can, I don't know. I don't know. I just found it, it was difficult to get like the kind, I had to really, uh, uh, some photo modes you end up fighting against it. And, and it was difficult to kind of, to see where the spotlights were because I was locked into the one, the character I didn't want to take a picture of. And so you have to kind of, you you feel like you're just fighting against it all the time. So eventually I kind of stopped using it. I didn't do many photos on the first playthrough anyway. That was more in the second and, and so on afterwards. That, yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. It it didn't feel as intuitive as, as other Sony photo. Mo- like I think Horizon's probably been one of the best. Gorilla seemed to have a better grasp on that stuff, and I kind of wish they copied what Gorilla had done more than what they do with their um right you know so there are a few little tweaks to gameplay beyond just AI as well uh, one that I really appreciated is the introduction of well, is it the introduction were the stalkers in the original or had they just been massively changed based on the sequel so 
Yeah, I've, I was actually reading about this this morning because cool. I, I was of the same opinion. I don't remember the stalkers in the sequence when you're with Sam in the sewers. Right. Like, so in this, the stalkers are all there. Like, you're not really facing against clickers and runners. It's, it's, it, they're, they're pretty much like 90% stalkers mm-hmm. in that sequence. And I don't remember them from the original. Now, apparently they were in the original. They just weren't that different to everything else. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't that you could identify them and the behaviors are different. The stalkers that we've got in this are more like the ones in two where they're like, you know, they're peeping around corners and and doing all that kind of stuff. I don't remember that from the first. Again, that that was one of the sequences I wanted to go back on a chapter select and go back and and look at on the PS3 because I couldn't Mm. remember. You know, to me, that felt new. And there was a few sequences like that where I was thinking, this doesn't quite feel like the same. This feels yeah. like this is different. Yeah, and they definitely def- modified a few. Even a few oh, areas yeah. and levels have been have been tweaked a bit. Yeah. Uh, but that said, it does it, it absolutely does feel like the same yeah. game in, in most ways. I think yeah. the, the bloaters have got a charge move, which they didn't have in the original, which I right. didn't remember. They just yeah. run, a, they just stomp and throw things at you. But now they yeah. actually kind of do the the classic video game big enemy thing of yeah. barreling across the room at you, and you can dodge out the way. And I don't know if they slam into the wall and get dizzied like in a Mario game or whatever. But yeah, I still find them incredibly frustrating. I'll tell you what: when I turn on the gameplay modifier for one shot kill, yeah, that is immensely satisfying. <laughs> just giving, getting, pulling the magnum out just because for effect mainly, but just it doesn't matter what weapon you use. Um, I mean, the I, I never did the. You can do a one. Uh, I think they call it death punch or something, where you 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 can literally melee everything with a single hit. And I thought that would be funny, <laughs> just to run up and punch a, punch, a bloater to death. Just I never, I haven't done it, but I'll probably if on, on any consequent playthroughs, I'll probably turn that on just for the crack. Yeah. But um, just run through and punch your way through the entire game. <laughs> Another aspect that I think's worth mentioning again, it's on the AI front, but companion AI is a bit more. Oh convincing. yeah, definitely. It's not. It's still not perfect, but nah. it's a lot closer than the original game, which had a lot of moments where. Ellie's tiptoeing in front of yeah. several enemies and you're going, what are you doing? And they're not even registering, which yeah. is obviously an incredibly challenging thing to code, but they obviously yeah. they polished it over uh, quite a bit for the second game. Yeah. And uh, and so that AI possibly tweaked even further is back in here. So Ellie and whoever else you're with does a, a better mm. or more convincing job of staying out of sight. Yeah, uh, I'd, I'd noticed that when there was like four of you, when you've got... Um... Sam and, and Henry and Ellie and all that. There was there was a couple of moments where you're fighting stuff and the, there's like, yeah, just watching how everybody's kind of interacting with one another as well. Mm. Like nobody's kind of running into one another and just like, I, I, I had a clip from the remastered version where Ellie's literally running on the spot against the door at one yeah. point, you know, yeah. and there was n- classic I, I video game stuff. didn't find any of that in no. this playthrough. It may happen, but I've yeah. ne- I never, yeah. of the three playthroughs, I never encountered anything like that once, which I was kind of impressed about. It just feels like there's a polish to that. And maybe it's just the power of the system and, you know, the pro, you know, the, the, the power of the console has just helped ease a lot of that stuff you know running all those kind of background systems yeah. that are running when these games do what they do yeah for sure uh yeah so as i say you can play it on grounded which is highly challenging i think mm. that ta- does that take away your sort of listen mode 
it takes away everything yeah you can't use any of the modifiers on that because i checked yeah <laughs> and i, I know thought, i know this was yeah. all this is not a this is a new feature but um what they did add is uh permadeath mode yeah uh and speed run as well and obviously i totally get the argument that they could have patched those into to the remaster rather than release a 70 pound so, game but yeah this brings me on to trophies because i yes i 100 percented this yeah and this is the first time of the three versions of The Last of Us I've even come close. Yeah, I, they've made. I, I think generally there's been a trend at Sony in particular to make platinums more achievable than they were, and so they should. Because you look at so the the original and the remaster basically copied and pasted the same trophy yes, set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I went through them, and I was looking because I was curious what my trophy was on the. So on my. PS3 one, which is the one I've got the highest score on, mm. 19%. And I played through that game, as I <laughs> said on the, as you, you would have heard on the previous podcast, I've played through that campaign seven times. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. So, so were a lot of them locked behind grounded or yeah, the multiplayer? You've got, or? So you've got a, well, there was, yeah, there's a stack of multiplayer. Mm. There's a stack on what they do is that old school thing of, Every difficulty's got its own trophy, and yeah. it's also got a new game plus mode on that. Yeah. So the only way you could platinum that, apart from going through the horrendous sort of like chore of multiplayer stuff, which you have no very little control over how you kind of get those, you yeah. know, they're kind of flukes. And it doesn't exist anymore, presumably, yeah. so you can't do it anyway. That um, you would have to play through twice on grounded difficulty in order to get the platinum. Yeah, which that I feels- just thought. That feels too too. I mean, I get yeah. it. Some people will dig that and go for it. So and did but you think that right? But I so not that many people, right? <laughs> I so I I went when I first playthrough. I was eighty one percent at the end of it, and I thought, okay, that's cool. I'm gonna get the rest. I looked at what the rest were, and I thought it's collectibles. And the hardest trophy, the hardest trophy for me to get was um, it's optional conversations yeah there was yeah, yeah, yeah. one optional conversation i couldn't and this is the only one i had to look up as to what i was missing yeah and it was i've got to say it was kind of bs as well because right you know there's an area there's a chapter called the suburbs and it's mm-hmm. the bit with after you come out of the sewers you walk down a street with henry sam and ellie and you're going through all these little houses, you're checking out, you're basically, there's a lot of pickups. And it's just before you get to, so you, it's before the bit where you drop down and then it starts that sniper sequence. So it's just the street. And it's like a U kind of, it goes down a hill slightly and around a, like a U turn and, and stuff. And you go down through the buildings and stuff. There was an optional conversation. I couldn't for the life of me figure out where yeah. it was. I, I've and never I got, found them all. There was four. And I had three or four, and I, I knew, I, you know, over the playthroughs. So on the third playthrough, I thought, I'm not messing around with this now. I need to know where this is. Yeah, yeah. And I'd replayed that level and still missed it. And I was like, now go back and start it again. And, and this time I looked it up. And there's a sequence. I don't know why I'd missed it, but, well, I do know why I missed it. And I'll explain why. You go right to the very end of that road where there's a barricade. It's like all blocked off with rocks and trees. Mm-hmm. And there's... um. There's a, a firefly graffiti on a wall yeah. that triggers a conversation with Henry and Joel. And they say, you know, we're going to look for the fireflies. Do you want to join us? I've never heard this conversation no. ever in any playthrough I've ever played. I don't remember ever hearing this. And I was like, okay, this is all new to me. I've never even seen this conversation ever. And, the, you know, where Joel asks Henry if him and Sam want to join them. 
and go to see um Salt Lake's or go wherever it is they oh to Tommy's where they're gonna kind of meet up with the Fireflies and stuff. And so he's yeah, yeah, we'll come with you. And I thought, oh, this is it. This is this this has got to be where it is. And then it still didn't trigger. And I was like, what? What am I missing? I haven't seen that conversation mm. and the actual bit. So it's like a two part conversation. So you have to wait at this section. Just hang around, mm. not do anything. And then Ellie pulls out the joke book. Okay. And then the final part of that is she starts telling jokes and then Sam starts telling jokes. And that's, that's a separate then, trophy, the jokes one. <clears throat> as yeah, well. well, yeah. So the, it was those two things popped at that, that time. And that right. was what, that was my platinum right there. And I was like, wow. Yeah, <laughs> like you would have never found that. I would never have found it because no. it, it, you had to just wait and just let it kind of play out like 30 seconds or whatever. And then Ellie says, Oof, I'm going to, you know, let's lighten the mood. And I was like, wow, how the, how the hell was I supposed to know that, you know? And that was the only trophy I had to like look up as to how to get it. And I was kind of scratching my head a bit really because I did think it was too vague. Like, yeah. But, um, yeah. but yeah, all that's like going through, um, when you look at say part two, Part two, I platinum the base game. And then there was the update, which is the two trophies they added to it, which was permadeath and grounded. Right. So play on any permadeath setting and play on grounded difficulty. But then you look at the percentage of completion of that. So on grounded, I think it's 1.1% of players completed it. On permadeath, 0.6. And so I can completely get behind them thinking that it's genuinely not worth attaching trophies to to stuff like that yeah because of the the you know who's really gonna yeah but then for those players who do really go that extra mile and do that stuff and we've all done it with our favorite games right it's nice to have something to aim for isn't it i guess so yeah i kind of feel like it would be worth putting i kind of like the way they did it with two which Mm. was a separate update i mean it means that when i look at my trophies on part two i've got 95 percent. yeah but you still got until i yeah, yeah, I've got the platinum. When you I go think that's into a reasonable it, compromise. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with them doing that. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it's very, it's a very difficult thing to get right, and uh, there's you know trophies and achievements of. I sometimes think though you don't necessarily need a trophy attached to it, but give me a, a sp- there is um, if I'm not mistaken, is there a gun that is only available yeah. by doing it? Unlocks, there, unlocks, yeah, or at least. A, but are, then there's the argument. It's, it reminds me always of the Super Mario 64 argument. Like you've completed a, you completed the game with 120 the hardest, stars, yeah. and then you go and get 99 lives off Yoshi. It's like, what do yeah. I need these for? Yeah, that's the problem with it. You've done it on <laughs> the hardest game mode you can do. Yeah, like, exactly. And then you're going to make it dead easy. Like at that point, it's like it's kind of it feels like I'm never going to want to. You know play what they should again, do? You know? Like. They used to do back in the day of arcade games and Activision games for the Atari VCS. What you send off for a actual thing, a badge. You so you take a <laughs> screenshot. Obviously, these yeah. days it's too easy to doctor stuff and whatever else. Right. But yeah, you get. Uh, a, well, they you could get be a, attached to your account, so you know you right. You've got, yeah, yeah. You get a sew-on patch or a or yeah. a, a, a little figurine or something like that. For sure, and, yeah. And they could afford to do that for zero point one percent of players or whatever. I would assume. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's easy for me to say. Only 0.6% got the permadeath setting. But mm. of of a game that sells like 10 million copies, that's, quite that's a few still people. a lot of people who right. have done yeah. it. And so you do kind of think that that percentage is often kind of easy to misinterpret. 
Thinking you know, of sales, um, I, I did just want to do our normal thing of covering off that and uh, and reviews and mm. sales. I don't know really because um, it's still pretty new and the PC oh. version isn't out yet. Um, I get the you know, just purely vibes. I don't think it sold amazingly well, but uh, in terms of based on how many people are on my friends list playing it and stuff, I think it's probably picked up a bit post black friday and people mm. like yourself going waiting yeah. for the you know at least some kind of drop and actually 70 quid down to 45 quid percentage wise is a, is a, is is substantial um yeah. so i don't know how many it'll end up going on to sell and i do i do understand that there i'm not is... even sure that's really the purpose behind it i no, just feel no. like because they've got the tv sh- like i feel that because they've got the tv show coming out that i feel putting this version out was the right approach i i do think that this is in 2023 this is the definitive version of the game 100 percent. yeah if i'm honest i kind of wish they'd done a ps5 version of part two as well and i think john linneman mentioned this as an update even if yeah uh, or or a 10 pound upgrade i don't think a 70 quid ps5 part two would have gone down very well (laughs) he so john linneman put forward this idea that he felt that for for 79.99 which is the are of the original 69.99 was it yeah okay 70 quid um, yeah that's their that's their standard rp for a triple a first party release yeah right yes um, they could have included an upgrade they could have included yes. the update for a proper because he said that based on the fact that it's already had a buff it wouldn't actually he didn't feel it need it would have required that much effort to no. kind of just yeah it's already tweak. got a frame rate boost hasn't it on yeah um, on but PS4. it's funny because going from part one to part two it's amazing how slow part two feels on the loading. Like, ha, yeah. there's an initial load on part two that I thought, oh, wow, this is really, it yeah. feels noticeably slower than part one because yeah. part one zips like, like it's just straight in. And also, there's the resume activity feature that you've got on PS5 games where you go yeah. on the dashboard, you can just click resume game yeah. or whatever, and you're straight in where you left off. Yeah, and sleep rest mode yeah and, that. and it's all those kind of little yeah. little ps5 tweaks that you don't have on the ps4 version of, of part two and i think this is really the kind of the crux of the conversation actually i do understand i keep saying this but i do understand why people balk at buying the same game again in mm. ostensibly and paying a lot of money for it and all that but i also hear still a lot of people to you know we're over two years into the current gen now and I still see a lot of people saying there's no reason to buy a Series X or a PS5 or whatever because lack uh-huh. of exclusives yeah. and whatever yeah. else. But really, it's not any one thing. It's about the the combination of all the and it is all luxury stuff because yes, mm. you can still sit down and play The Last of Us remastered on a PS4 or a PS4 Pro and have a fantastic time. The story's still great. The acting's still great. The graphics are still really cool. But if you if you are somebody who wants to kind of you know ring every last drop of uh, and, and, and appreciate all the the extra talent and beauty and and whatever else that's gone into it, plus all the current gen features, which are yeah. the fast loading, the haptics, and all that cool stuff, like yeah, I get it. Like individually, none of these things might make you go, yeah, I'm going to shell out six hundred quid for a console and a, and a game. But as a collective, for me, even as somebody who doesn't have a huge amount of money, it's absolutely worth the investment. Yeah, I don't feel like I've wasted, like, you know, I, I feel that this is the best version of the game I've, I've, I've experienced to date. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it likes it's it's entirely subjective. If people feel that, yeah, like you know, in it always, 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a it's a it's a discussion that will go on and on and on. I think yeah. at this point, it's just. And as yeah. I say, I think especially the last all conversation around the Last of Us has now been affected for good and ill by the response to part two, which was very divisive because of the nature of the story, which we won't spoil in this show because it's we're mm. still only talking about part one. Um, but I think that's led. So the review, the critical reviews for The Last of Us Part One, the PS5 game, it has uh, an 88% average from uh, 128 critics of whom 90% recommended the game, which is not bad for, a you know, basically mm. a re-release of an old game, if you want to call it that, or a remake. Um, but of course, the user scores are a slightly different matter. Even on PlayStation centric site per square, it has eight, a flat eight, which I'm sure is probably a whole point lower than previous iterations um, from 340 people. Um, but on Metacritic, of course, where review bombing is king, combination of the treatment of uh, of the story in the second game and uh, and probably the price tag of this game means that it currently has a, a 6.3 user score from 1,636 ratings. Um, and obviously there's just, you know, there's not going to be any convincing those people and they don't have to buy it or play it. But um... <laughs> yeah, I mean, there have been people that would have give it a, a, a lousy score if it had been 20 quid, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yes. And, and, and I find, I still find it wonderful that, so um, I, I kind of entered into the murky world of um, mm-hmm. trolling on Facebook yesterday. I don't know what I was thinking. Basically, there's a there's a a red carpet interview with Troy Baker at the um, at the premiere of oh. the big screen premiere of the TV show, and the IGN reporter says, um, and this is this is spoilers for part one, what uh, which we've already covered, but just in case. The IGN reporter says, so in the game you play the hero and in this in this show you play a bad guy. What's it like playing a completely opposite character? And I commented underneath, actually, Joel is the main bad guy in the game and you play as him. I Yeah, I'm going to, I disagree with you on this quite, because we were talking about this on the Slack and I almost jumped in and said, well, I'm not a parent and I'm, I still think Joel's actually done the right thing because I have a... I, a lot I, of people I, do feel that way. Yeah, and, I kind of feel... It, it, what's weird about uh, and here's one thing about this we're, we're going back into this game in 2023 or over like you know 2022 2020 i played it over christmas and new year so it was like you know bounced over the two um we're coming out of a pandemic yes which yes. was fascinating really to go into this game and different you context know, now this, yeah, yeah and, and, and in light of the sequel of course which you know which obviously affects our view of the characters yeah. and what's going to yeah, become of and I, yeah and i kind of feel um it a it, it was fascinating how like here's the thing i didn't feel that i mean this is kind of a summary as well but i kind of didn't feel that this game has aged at all like i feel mm-hmm. like outside of the visual sheen it's still as rock you know as, like I got choked up watching the Sarah sequence again. Yeah, you know, yeah. all those bits. Yeah, I I wondered after having played like there was I haven't played it in a in a good few years, so it did feel kind of like all those moments hit those notes again, and I was oh, like, yeah. wow. I think it stands up tremendously well as a piece of storytelling. Yeah, and again, like everything, it's not for everyone. Some people find it, I don't know, whatever, heavy handed, 
whatever but yeah, yeah. um uh i still love the story and every time i play it through i still get a lot out of it i still yeah. love the performances even though i fall on the side of joel is a villain that doesn't yeah, mean that I'm. You know what? That's, yeah. That doesn't mean I don't care about him or no, think that's... that it's it's not it's not all black and white. I get that. That's it. That's the thing. I what I love about this and going through and playing and I absolutely recommend if if you if you ever find that you have a window big enough to do it playing back to back part yeah, one yeah, part yeah. two with yeah. these versions in particular. Yeah, absolutely. How, how man? How spine tinglingly good this game is when you get this this the bigger picture you know and i'm thinking oh my god like i I forgot how much i enjoyed two and playing one only enhanced that as well because of that kind of the parity between the versions now it just felt like ah it was was just and even though you you maybe have a slightly different opinion about joel joel's actions in the first game that doesn't that that doesn't mean that you hate neil Druckmann for the story oh. of the second game because no. you still understand the point of that story right but yeah what i love about it is you you know where what whether you see joel as a villain or a hero or whatever that's mm. entirely you as an individual for you to decide what i love is the story gives you the tools the to kind of that we're still having the same discussion yeah after yeah. 10, 10 years uh, is, yeah. is is really cool. The fact that I'm still motivated to go on an IGN Facebook page and, and troll <laughs> about it. And I've had, you know, I've had uh, comments in both directions coming back. Like, yeah, yeah, there's very few game stories that have um, that have kind of resonated or, or lived on in that way. And the fact that we're now getting 10 years on a TV show that by all accounts, and yes, we haven't seen it yet at the time of recording, yeah. has absolutely knocked out of the park in terms of, uh, production script yeah. direction all that kind of thing is very is really cool like and the fact that i'm excited to watch it even though i know the story is... yeah i mean i posted a, a, a it, so on instagram oh it's i think it's from one of his recent interviews that neil Druckmann po there's a quote on um instagram yesterday where it's like he's quoted as saying i love the idea that someone will watch the show and love it and then hear that it's based on a video game and be like, wait, what? A video game? <laughs> yeah. They're telling these kind of stories and they'll be introduced to a wealth of storytelling. I love this, right? I just love this idea. And this is what I was thinking when I was playing this remake is that although it's nine years, it doesn't feel like because we're old, crotchety old gazers now and we're, getting, we're both in our 50s, we remember the original. Yeah. We remember the remastered, but... Even the remastered is eight years ago. In those eight years, dozens of gamers have come of an age where this game might appeal to them, but they've never played it. You know, they might have heard about it. They might, but how many games have you heard about that you've never played? That were just at that point where before, just they came into. It. I mean, it's difficult for us being the age we are, but there was there's often this point where games that came in before you came into gaming mm. never got played. Mm-hmm. You know, and I feel like that applies to The Last of Us as well. There were so many kids out there who were like children when the game was launched, yeah, right, you know, yeah. who are now definitely like, not of the right age to yeah, play it. Yeah. But who now can experience it for the first time. And I feel that that's why that's another reason why I've got no problem with remakes. Like my issue, simple. If you don't want it, don't buy it. Well, completely if you, if agree. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and yes, I don't. Rather than the the this this I think the the spurious argument based on what I know about the industry that it takes away from new games being made. Actually, I think just as much as that, it funds new games being made. 
Well, I think just last week, Naughty Dog said that the Last of Us series, so I guess the, the two games, has sold 30 million, 37 million copies mm. or units or whatever, um, which is a sizable chunk of copies sold. Yeah. You know, over like three versions of part one and part two, that's still a lot of... So clearly, you know, that studio is going to be doing okay based on that. And then obviously they've got Uncharted as well. So they're probably doing all right. Yeah. And then, like you said, if it means that they get to make, you know, other games because they're doing these things, you know, you don't really know how much... I mean, they put a lot of effort into this, but you don't know in terms of, like, production, the pipeline, how many people it took. I mean, you've got the credits there, but the credits also list the original credits as well yeah, because of yeah. the, the work that was done on the original game. But, yeah. um, but yeah. you know... I'm currently playing through with the developer commentary, which I... Th- was that on the remaster as oh. well? Um, so I don't remember it being on the... They had the Grounded documentary, which is all mm. part of the parcel on this now. You've got the making of stuff, which yeah. it, that was a YouTube thing, I remember, back in the day. Yeah. It was like, it yeah. felt like a separate thing or a download yeah. or whatever. It's got all the model viewers and all that. And, yeah. yeah. And that stuff is kind of awesome. I, 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 I get a little kind of OCD about having like, all the credits to unlock them. So mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like, you know. But yeah, I'm enjoying I mean, the developer commentary only comes on. It, I would be quite interested. It's, it's really about the cutscenes. Yeah. So, yeah. which is yeah. cool because obviously the game is, you know, that's a big part of them and the performances of, of uh, Ashley and Troy and all that. Yeah. But um, I would like, I, I still love the games when they do the actual in level developer commentaries. Like I, I had so much fun with. Yeah. Portal um, back in the day, uh, Valve stuff doing yeah. it, yeah, where they would, you know, basically kind of almost, you know, throw light in upon magic and yeah. kind of say, "This is how we do this, and this is why we do this." And like, even even as somebody who isn't ever, you know, I'm not likely to go into game design now. Um, it really helps to, it, it, rather than breaking the magic, it actually, in, in anything, if anything, enhances it in the same way as directors' commentaries yeah. on, on films can actually make you go, God, the amount of attention Work. to detail yeah. and clever, you know, thought that went into this is inspirational in itself. It, it's, it's, it, it's similar to what we were talking the, recently about um, tilt shift stuff in terms mm. of it making you take a step back sometimes right. to appreciate how, you know, something's put together. And that's commentaries have the same thing. It's like you know, it's like you just said. You know, they, when they highlight things that you weren't aware of, it, it all, all it does for me is make me appreciate it more. Mm. And you know, and it also opens your mind to opens your eyes to to what how a video game may be put together in certain ways and stuff. And you know, and that ignorance. I, I feel there's a lot of hot takes that are born out of ignorance. Yeah. If people, if more people are bothered to learn how things were put to how much work things actually how things are actually built mm-hmm. maybe they'd have a different take on stuff but i don't know we'll see well i think we've kind of covered most of the bases there should we have a little wrap up each as regards mm. to in the traditional cane and rinse fashion sort of overall where we stand on the last of us part one whether we recommend it to people i think we've sort of we've made it fairly clear but let's see if yeah. we can Put it in a small envelope. Yes. <laughs> that's yes. A, that's a very I, small envelope. I feel that this is, like, as I said earlier, I feel that this is like the definitive version. What's funny is playing it, I do feel that in another 10 years, they could make a better version again. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's weird that that's how it happens with films and always has I, by the way this yeah. is not a new thing the idea that remakes and remasters and re-releases are new is such bunkum it's been going on since the beginning of entertainment even yeah. plays have like new productions right <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like so when a, um I, I i have this youtube channel sigref i don't know if, if that's the name of the channel but it's it's to do with like a developers and and programmers creating software and stuff and within this there was like ai and machine learning which is taken and and there's a lot of movement towards this within game design and game creation you know a lot of the engines are are starting using like machine learning and stuff like that to to render kind of um npc procedural behaviors and it was at the very beginning of the game where there's you know where you're driving with uh tommy and and sarah and stuff and that that car sequence and then you're running with sarah through the the destruction mm. and there's crowds of people milling around and it's it, it is amazing right i'm watching this but i'm watching the the animations of the characters thinking these are like you can still feel that they're quite scripted and they they won't break from their scripting you know like you can knock into them with joel and they're not reacting in the way that you might imagine mm. so there's a point where i was thinking yeah but i bet in a few years if this, like having watched those videos and seeing how they're using this kind of procedural machine learning stuff or AI to kind of render realistic mannerisms to character models that doesn't require like huge amounts of computation, that you could totally redo that scene to make it even better. They could do it like, uh, do you remember Street Fighter, the movie, the game? It could be (laughs) The Last of Us, the TV series, the game, where you're controlling Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Well, you know, there will come a point, I'm sure, where it will be, you know, the, the levels of photo real. I mean, it still looks like a game. It looks like a beautiful game at times, but it still looks like a video game. Yes. But there's definitely going to come a point within the yeah. next few decades where the level of visual fidelity will be like, you know, we're, it, it, we're at that point where I remember in 2000 watching Final Fantasy The Spirits Within and telling them, we're watching it on DVD and saying, oh man, wait till video games get this good. Mm -hmm. And they've already gone past that, to be fair. I think they're way beyond that at this point. You know, it's like watching Final Fantasy, um, uh, you know, Advent Children compared to the 7 remake. God, and when we first saw that CG, it was like, blimey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching, like, you you see that and you think, like, in the next couple of decades, we probably will be at a level of visual fidelity where you will not be able to, like, it'll look photorealistic. And so would I be opposed to remakes if I'm still around playing? I would absolutely be down to that again. Like I could I could happily play this game again in 20 years time. Yeah, it's like reading you know? a favorite book or watching yeah. a favorite film in some ways. Um and obviously yeah, even if 16K. even if our, our hand-eye <laughs> coordination and motor skills do start to desert uh, us, we can use the accessibility options. Oh, I'll be yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely be turning tons of those on, I think, but but it no, it, it's just I can, you know, I think realistically playing part one and part two over the sort of the New Year Christmas period, all I'm thinking now is I really want a part three. Like I absolutely will be on board. Like Druckmann's been teasing it. And And I I was anti the sequel originally, but because I (laughs) enjoyed it, uh, I now feel differently and I'll happily play another one. Yeah. I think back on on three. I think on two. Sorry, part two. What what interests me about that game? I 
wanted a sequel. I felt there was somewhere they could go with a story, but I had no idea where they were going to take that. Mm. And I would never have guessed in a million years on what they actually did do no. to. It's just like, I feel like they that game surprised the hell out of me. Yeah. And Shocked I, a lot of people to the point that yeah. they massively took against it yeah oh i i I mean i was shocked what they how how many risks they took and where they Mm. went with the story Uh, but i only ever came out with huge admiration for it i I love it i think it's just like an incredible like it it resonates you know you come away from that game you know you you know i i felt like that's a game i'm not gonna forget you know it's like you know it's Mm. just it's something about it deeply impacts you and it's just like whether it's you know, the horror of the story or whatever. Anyway, but yeah, I'm on board with whatever, wherever they go with this. I, I would like, I feel like there's at least one more story to tell with Ellie that involves Ellie. Mm. And I feel like there's a, there's a, Druckmann's been teasing it, but they're not going to commit to any, they've said that they've changing the way that their studio approaches this stuff. They're not going to put, uh, they're not going to kind of say what they're working on until they're ready to, you know, in order to kind of, you know, whatever. It's the usual thing. They want to avoid crunch. They want to avoid pressure on the team. So they're just going to keep their mouths shut until such a time they're ready to tell you what it is. So, you know, whatever. I I, I don't care if I have to wait five years or whatever at this point. Um, I'm just kind of really stoked about it. And if I had to sum this up, yeah, it came at right, the right time. Run up to the show, I think is a perfect time to, to release this. And I'll be interested to see if that in itself affects the sales figures of the game post-release of the show. Yeah, I would also recommend the game. Obviously, it was a, it was an easy... I say easy. I'm not saying that $69.99 didn't make me go, ooh, for a game that I, yeah, effectively in <laughs> some form, mm. albeit not quite a spectacular form already owned. But no regrets at all. Bought it, played through it saw that story through once again and uh and i've been doing so again in the lead up to this podcast recording and um yeah it's as i say it's not any one thing like obviously listener you can go and look at uh graphical comparisons and that is one big aspect of it and if you look at the side to sides and go yeah that's not bigger deal that's not worth 70 quid let alone you know it's not even worth 40 quid or whatever it was to jay Mm. then fair enough by all means, leave it. But it isn't just the graphics. It is also the gameplay tweaks and yeah. the luxuries afforded to you by the PS5, if you're lucky enough to have one. Um, and yeah, for me, as Jay said, it's the definitive way to play the game. Mm. Um, there are There is more to it than just the visual overhaul. Although, yeah, in some cases that is, I would say, pretty striking. Um, but yes, it's a whole it's a whole combination of things that for me make The Last of Us Part 1 now the default way to play this game and um yeah i'm really looking forward to the tv show at the time of recording which debuts mm. this weekend at the time of recording cannot uh, wait yeah um, i mean sorry but interrupt it's interesting with, with the point with the price point right so it's been a couple of years since two came out mm. was it uh 2020 mm-hmm. um it's currently on sale on the playstation sale for eight pounds 74 <laughs> right yeah you know what I mean? So yeah, if yeah, need yeah, be, yeah. in a couple of years' time, yeah. if you're listening to this and you haven't played it and it's on sale for less than a tenner. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like... Absolutely, yes. It, 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 I mean, yes. Uh, I, I suspect anyone who's ever loved The Last of Us, 
would enjoy this, um, you know, and get something out of playing an enhanced version. Uh, if you if you already hate The Last of Us or you you hate The Last of Us because of the sequel, then why are you um, listening just, to this? <laughs> yeah, why are you listening? <laughs> maybe maybe somebody's tuning in, hoping for us to to hate on everything. Yeah, um, good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, um, it could have happened, but it didn't. So anyway, thanks for listening to Jay and I revisiting The Last of Us and visiting for the first time The Last of Us Part One. Look out for more of these addenda to existing podcasts. It's something Jay's come up with uh, as a way of uh, revisiting old shows and adding content and bringing them up to date with... Yeah, so it might be a sequel or a remaster or remake that inspires these or a TV show. Um, But yeah, we'll we'll find reasons to go back to old podcasts and redeposit them in your ears over time. So yeah, enjoy and thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.